everybody, and welcome to the newest indoor adventure in... Hey, guess what? It's the Q&A. It's the retrospective of the Four Keeps, a Levels 1 through 20 campaign. Today is December 18th, 2023, and you are loved. That is a very important thing that we like to remind each and every single one of our viewers and listeners at the beginning of each and every single one of these games. If this is your first time joining us, you can go to youtube.com slash indoor adventures to check up on all of the VODs of each of the games that we have played up until this point, or you can go towards where anywhere audio casts are being made available for free. You can join us there under the same moniker. But Speaking of things that are being made available for free, if you go to patreon.com slash indoor adventures, you can check up on our after show called Nights in the Courtyard, where we talk about games. Hey, guess what? That's essentially what this is. If you've ever been curious about joining the Patreon, what's it about? I mean, well, the Patreon, like the Nights in the Courtyard is free. You don't have to pay for it. But that helps me pay for books and production costs and other things like that. So if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash indoor adventures. Um, other ways to support the show, if you go to indooradventure.redbubble.com, we got t-shirts, we got posters, we got mugs, we got crop tops, throw pillows, shower curtains, aprons, clocks, and we also have face masks with the symbol of Tiamat upon them, designed by our very own Cyberwolf1201, where all of the proceeds of all of our merch is currently going to help support Doctors Without Borders. So whether it is a Tiamat mask or a DanaeKeener.com t-shirt, we have those too. Uh, hey, join us at, again, Indoor Adventure, no S at the end, .redbubble.com. But that is it for my opening spiel so i'm gonna ask somebody i don't normally get to ask questions to uh in in the real world hey levi uh this is your first time on the show what are you doing here how'd, how'd oh, you God, get here? How, how'd i get here how'd you get here yeah. what, what are yeah. you doing on the show today so today i will be the host of this little q a uh we, simon was kind enough to be the one collecting the questions from the Discord community, myself, and all these fine folks over here. Uh, let's see here. Yes. Yeah, I, I've been here for a bit. Yeah. Other than that, everyone, yeah. as you know, is themselves. We are all not playing characters, but our regular human selves. At least, we're not characters as far as I know. But... Uh, other than that, the panel format, as we expressed earlier to the players, uh, we're going to go for as long as we have questions. Uh, so, hey, for the first hour and a half, we're going to, if hour, if hour and a half goes by and we hit break time, we're going to go to break. Then we'll come back and we'll finish it up. If we end up going the full time, we end up going the full time. Uh, other than that, I think that's it for me. Uh, so this is no longer the thing that I'm hosting, Levi. Take us away. Alrighty. Um, let's see. If people are watching this, I assume we don't need to go through the uh, all the character intro stuff. Uh, we have lost a camera. Oh my! We have lost a camera. I don't. I changed my name and then it removed the camera. <laughs> Your name is you, Simon. You've removed yourself. And it said you are not perceived. <laughs> Wow. wow. Blame Zoom, not me. No. <laughs> what is a name? What's a miserable a pile of flesh. <laughs> uh, we are in a silly, goofy mood. Always. Uh, let's see. Are the faces where they gotta be? Uh, 
Okay, good. Everything's fine. Alrighty, so... Yeah, I assume that we won't need to go through all the character intros, especially because the players are going to be talking about their characters. Exactly. I assume... I assume that people can get context clues. <laughs> so, uh, to begin, let's go with the beginning. For, let's see here. This first question is the first one for me. Uh, kind of talk about the campaign structure a little bit. Simon, uh, I know I asked this before, but uh, why Caius for the big bad and uh, something I know I haven't asked. A lot of the campaign, especially that like middle third, like five to ten, spent a lot of time with uh, Alira and the Hags. Uh, what were the inspiration on those fronts? So the inspiration on that, uh, as far as Alira goes, she was not. I don't think I ever initially intended for her to be a character, but as time went on, I really liked the idea that there was this representation of the land. And a lot of that, I think, came from um, the comic series Harrow County that I know that I've talked about a lot, a, a uh, gothic horror done in watercolor by Tyler Crook and Colin Bunn, published by Dark Horse Comics, uh, where... Uh, one of the big bads is the, like, the Haro County in and of itself is is her domain. This area of land is and does belong to her. Uh, and I liked the idea that there was somehow a physical manifestation of what the land was going through, what the world was going through. So that way, or at least the world as the players knew, specifically so when they reached that point, they could see on a almost visceral scale how everything was like how everything had been turning out so far and the reason that she ended up gifting uh the the house uh that we all know as gideon to our four keeps players one fast travel always going to be helpful did it break the game a little bit going forward in ways i could never anticipate buddy that's just being a gm that's always gonna happen um, but as far as using the hags as a mid-level fight, um, I, the reason why I picked that was going into the winter arc and gearing up from level one to reach that point. Hags are a very unique thing in that they are often situational and they're often spread throughout like a variety of places. So for example, you could have winter hags, the Blair hags from Volos and seeing the winter hag and kind of getting to play with it a little bit you are uh, through uh, various one shots and things like that. I really like the mechanics for it. Um, and I realized that having three of them would be terrifying. Uh, especially for something like that. And the because hags are tricksters and because uh, realistically these hags were malaligned, they were evil, um, I thought it made sense for this primeval archfey, this essence of winter, to be the thing that very similar in uh, when uh, you all fought the not Tarask and not Godzilla, 
in uh, when you were in level 20, um, that it one of my favorite things is when uh, uh, what is it? Star Wars Episode One? There's always a bigger fish moment where like these are the big bads that you're facing. Like they've created the simulacrum of an ice dragon, and there's all of this shit that's going down. And then you beat them, and you know, oh, this was just the halfway point. Like these guys left because there is this bigger, badder thing. And I really like, I really like that in games. I really like that in in narratives where there is that midpoint where you know, this is difficult. We have to gear up and we have to know how to fight this. In a way that was probably better suited for the end of the winter arc instead of the like the arc leading up to it fighting the hags but i think the hags as a kind of like a teaser of what to expect in that winter is coming to places that you wouldn't necessarily anticipate it to and there are people who can control it better than you anticipate um so that is that was my decision for hags that they're cool i like hags they're they're weird little guys that come in threes and I enjoy that for me. <laughs> um, and then, uh, did you ask why Caius? Uh, so that has to do... Why Worms? Uh, so why Caius is a much easier answer, a much simpler answer. Um, I had a job where I, uh, I would press a button and I would wait for a loading screen to finish and sometimes that loading screen would take over an hour to finish and then i would reset the software and make sure that the software could update again and that was the job that i had at the time that i was figuring out what i wanted to do for this so i was watching a lot of the um aj pickett slash mighty glue stick monster ecology videos and i ended up seeing a video on caius and I was like, that's cool as hell. And so I did a little bit more research. And also I had just kind of been like, at that point in time, I would go into the Forgotten Realms wiki and I would pull up a random article and I would click every hyperlink that I didn't recognize the name of. And I would spend the next day just ping-ponging around until I found a page full of things that I already knew. Uh, so Caius was kind of the result of that, of just like, this is really cool. This has a lot of options as far as both end game and early game because of the monsters and spawn. Um, I'm going to run with this. I think that this will be a good idea. Uh, but that was, that started after I met these players of, of kind of thinking like, man, I want to run a campaign, but I want Caius to be in it. Um, but when I first started GMing, uh, like the, the map of Alira was like a sticky note that I made for some friends when I went down and they were like, we want to play D and D, but nobody will run for us. And I was like, I kind of know how to run. I've GM like three <laughs> sessions of storm Kings thunder so far. Let's make our own campaign. Um, and so everything spawned from that was, uh, some old college friends and I wanting to do that. And then after, uh, their campaign ended, they were the evil campaign, uh, as we all, uh, lovingly call them. But, after that, uh, and watching, again, the, the videos of, like, this would be a cool enemy. I was like, this guy's got a fucking point. I'm going to make this the cool enemy. Uh, and then it was just five years of worming my way through a campaign of just, like, okay, like, when do we drop this? When do we want to, like, 
put the hints and and i was able to put one in in the first session and then it wrapped up beautifully by the end um and so that's why caius i just i like him i thought he was weird and i haven't i hadn't seen a lot of other media focusing on him so i i wanted to have it be like if i said oh the threat is vecna i mean like season one of crit roll had almost wrapped up at that point or had wrapped up so like every like vecna's on everyone's radar but if i say it's caius oh yeah and it's like oh it's just a it's worms be like yes it is worms like it's i thought it was a lot more fun um to design a campaign around that and then to also have that be something that my players encountered um throughout the campaign I, I am also just still very thankful that I got four strangers on the internet uh, to agree to play in in a game where I ultimately said, Haha, it was worms all the way down. Uh, so, so thank you to these wonderful players. If you ever had to ask any of us Speaking if of we would love players. Simon. Oh. I would say, are you continue? I see where you're going with that. If, in that. If you're ever going to ask us if we would love Simon, if uh, he would be a worm, yes, we have, we will. He is our worm. We did also kill him. That That is very much a thing that we did. We killed him a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> killed the shit but out of him. We also loved him. Speaking of these four strangers on the internet... Yeah. For all of the four keeps... How did you come up with the idea for your characters? What was that like initial seed of like, oh, this is something that I could explore for Catholic trauma? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, my answer was going to be fourth edition, which is pretty par for the course for you and me. Um, fourth edition had Eldrin in the original PHB. Um, so I was familiar with them. And I was curious to see how uh, 5th edition would interpret them. And fortunately, um, they gave them the, like, season feature. And I was like, I cannot stick to one character for too long. Like, if I'm going to play from 1 to 20, I have to play a character that will change enough, often enough, that it would keep me engaged for this this length of time. So that's that's why I chose Eldrin. And I assume that's a big part of why, uh, towards the end, Corey was straight up four different people. Yes. <laughs> this is true. It's absolutely true. I do remember exactly when I came up with the idea for Corey. Um, I was dissociating in the middle of a rodeo. Um, <laughs> it, it was a... It, <laughs> It was a, a North Dakota rodeo, so um, there wasn't like you know br bronco riding or anything. It was stagecoach parking, so I, I had to like occupy my time with something, and I was obsessed with this upcoming game. <laughs> I have never wow. heard this origin. Wow! <laughs> I, I never heard stagecoach parking, baby. Ah, uh, that's good. All righty. Um... LB, yeah. So, before this game, I was playing in a campaign of Horde of the Dragon Queen, that module that everybody picks up and nobody finishes. Um, I was playing a 
white dragonborn sorcerer named Rogar. And his whole backstory was um, basically religious trauma. And um, he was not in it for Bahamut at all. Uh, did not like him triggered by the whole thing. Um, through, through the campaign, he uh, found a black dragon egg, hatched it, had a black dragon son. Eventually, Bahamut came down and talked to his black dragon son, did not speak to him at all. I, I figured like that was a whole moment for like the GM to be like, hey, talk to this god. Maybe he's not that bad. Maybe Tiamat is, uh, is you know, a bad guy. Maybe you should talk to the good guy never happened so i'm like i honestly if we continue this campaign i'm probably gonna swap sides and join tiamat um i i want to be able to explore that where my character is still a hero hey simon see you're looking for uh for a character for this thing well boy howdy do i have a, a pitch for you I also just did not want to do a warlock again. I do warlocks a lot. So I did Blood Hunter. The Blood Hunter, definitely not warlock. That definitely stuck. You've muted yourself, LB. This time and every time it stuck. Every time you changed it. Uh, Gwen came from my idea that I, I've played a lot of D&D and I've played a lot of different classes and races and I always try to do something different. And I realized I had never played a halfling and I was like, well, what's the most, I mean, there are no restrictions that saying halflings can't be barbarians. Like what, why, why not just make them like they are small and they have their capacity for caring is different and stuff like that. But what's it seems ridiculous, but it is plausible that this like tiny, the tiny terror could be a thing so that's kind of where she came from and uh the fact that she was um <laughs> she didn't like gnomes uh kind of came from the fact that i thought and i don't think it's accurate but i thought that gnomes were smaller than halflings and i was like gwen says that like she's small enough nothing needs to be smaller than her so she just doesn't like it and that's like literally where her personality came from she's just feisty <laughs> This woman hates bugs. <laughs> hates bugs. It's that doesn't make any sense. How could they like <laughs> function? They're so small. <laughs> uh, so uh, I will note, Catholic uh, trauma is a very obvious start for Calum. But... No, uh, so just to level with the 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 uh, chat, um, I made the joke that Catholic trauma is going to be my answer for everything uh, during this session. <laughs> and Levi asked the question, and I just hopped on that opportunity. Why again? Uh, for Calum, for though, I had just come off of a very short stint in a Pathfinder game where I had a really fun character concept of... Uh, of Sam Saren, who has past lives and they're able to tap into it and like gain skill abilities and stuff like that. It was a very short lived campaign and I didn't get to explore that. So when Simon approached us about this level one, two through 20 game, I was like, yeah, I could use a Shatter Kai. They're basically the same, right? And then we got to talking about the background stuff. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, was that? Yeah, coming into this, um, coming into this in the middle, like learning uh, Kalen's history with Father Linear, like was more intense than I would have expected, and uh, I actually haven't gone back to watch that the earlier arcs, so I'm sure finding that out was a very interesting experience for uh, the rest of the players. Uh, speaking of Kalem, back when you first built the boy, what did you hope he would become? Did Kalem grow in the direction you expected? Were, were there goals you had that did not come to fruition? And that is from a totally anonymous uh, user of the community. Uh, honestly, I wanted to dip more into the shadow weave in that side of things, but as the narrative was going on, it was like, mm, no, Char icky. She hot, but also icky. And not in the hot way. Uh, also, I was really expecting, well, I kind of wanted to stay lich for a little while longer, actually, um, now that I think about it. Uh, when I role-played Calum as a lich, a lot of his morals were grayed out. <laughs> and that was a fun thing to experiment with. I bet, yeah. But there were some plot beats. Let's see. Uh, uh, keeping with the character specific stuff uh so wings uh let's see. oh also speaking of char uh the consequences of touching that one book at the library of char irrevo irrevocably altered Corey's still cory's story uh what led you to make that decision and uh if would you make that same choice again uh whenever i make a big decision like that it's because I think it's going to make the narrative interesting. Um, and specifically in that case, um, I was looking to my fellow players like, should I do it? Should I do it? And I was getting a lot of nods, so I, I went for it. Um, I, I would do it again. I know I would. Um, I, I think I would take a different approach, though. Um, I, I've learned a lot about um, n knowing more about what you want from the narrative and the like the importance of communicating that with your fellow players you know if there is something specific you want from the narrative yeah that's a big thing that i know i i could theoretically work on more uh in my experience uh there was some uh very very intense stuff as well uh charge just intense Mm. For sure, for sure. But very hot, to be clear. Oh, absolutely. So hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people get to find that out now because of Baldur's Gate. Exactly. Wait, Hashtag Shard did nothing wrong. Except <laughs> a lot of things, but also not really. <laughs> she is the Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got uh, some really good info on the like initial seed of Gwen 
But I'll be when you first built her, did you imagine her taking on that level of responsibility? And what about Gwen's effectiveness as leader has like surprised you? Gwen is actually the leader. Is it canon? <laughs> I thought Gwen was just saying it the whole time. She's a chieftain of an entire civilization. That's true. That's true. Um, I think Gwen definitely started out as like she was a hired bodyguard, sort of like a bouncer situation. She was a follower, and I think through the other characters, she realized like, oh, I actually like no responsibility like within the tribe. There is a structure and like I have the experience that I can be a leader. These people are broken and they need help and like they need someone to just be that person. And I think some of that reflected on like me as an individual because I'm I am that person that when when everyone's like, well, what are we going to eat? And nobody can make a decision. I can make a decision. I don't care. So I think a lot of it came from that and just the fact that I think Gwen could see that there was a, a spot that kind of needed to be filled a, you know, these people are strong in their own way, but they needed a like support to kind of get them to where they were and to, uh, you know, help them along in their journey. And I think that Gwen just kind of had to fill that role. And then once she got back to the tribe and saw how shit it was, I have said this before, fully intended as a player. I was like, I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going to like, you know, stir the pot. And then Gwen immediately was like, no, 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 fuck that guy. We're going to kill him. <laughs> I'm like, Gwen, no. So I, sometimes that character takes over. But um, I think she just wants, she, she sees that she can be that person. So she will be that person. And I think, initially I had not intended that to be the case but I was the only person who did not have a troubled backstory so I had the foundation next season oh boy just you wait I get to be the broken Ooh. character <laughs> oh I am all ears let's see <laughs> Potter, no God, no let me have this Am I gonna be the stablest character as of the long party? As one of you volunteers to be yeah. stable. The rest of you. Yeah. I'm tired be of being the goodie. I'm gonna be the nasty <laughs> one this time. <laughs> Look, I could be stable with a troubled backstory. Okay. Mm, no. <laughs> Spoilers. You can be, but for how long? Yeah, that's true. There is gonna be a point of you know you break down and cry for a bit, and that's just okay. You know. Sometimes you yeah. gotta cry. It's okay. Oh yeah, Noctua saying that Cam was a lich from level eleven to eighteen. That's you were hey, you were lit. Thanks, thanks, Noctua. Mm -hmm. right. He spent a decent amount of that time feeling bad about the stuff he did when he was not in his right mind. Though mm -hmm. he didn't mm -hmm. go full like you know off the leash lich. Well, save for that one time he uh, went to go hunt down some were-rats in the sewer to change their memories so that he can keep everyone's uh, cover intact. When did that happen? Was that I That was during the winter arc when you guys were in the Fomorian Fortress because a were-rat oh. saw you and Caleb put on the owl mask and went oh. to town before, after oh, asking, yeah. or at least telling everybody, 
I'm going to do something that's kind of not cool, but don't worry <laughs> about it. It's for the don't good of everyone. Incredible. Yeah, the, those owl mask moments. Mm -hmm. uh, that was some... That was an ocean moment every time. <laughs> Speaking of characters who had a lot of oh shit moments, uh, for Cyber, Arjun's arc deals heavily with identity, dysmorphia, and fighting himself. Did you anticipate where his story would take him when you create the character? And what about that, like, what four class journey uh, surprised you the most? Okay. Um, just as a character, Ar Arjan was designed to uh, to be a character to grow into. Um, he started out very uh, shy and timid because of the environment that he raised, which was just a tool for me to get more comfortable playing this character long term. Uh, it, it it was always the plan to uh, have him become more confident as he was removed from uh, the place that he came from. Um, the I don't know. I don't know that I meant uh, the dysmorphia to be a, a really constant theme until we started leaning heavier into the backstory with like Harley and then stuff um which was all which was for the most part um this simon's uh domain um i always knew knew that uh learning more about himself is going to be a, a bigger theme. Um, I had the name Arshan from the start. Uh, apparently, a, a common theme that I have with my characters is that they always have multiple names. And I think that's just from me being a middle name goer. You'll never know my true name. I forget that's your real name every time you mention it. <laughs> um... But, I mean, just as he kept going, uh, as, you know, it made sense that he would um, be learning more about himself and becoming more confident and realizing that a large part of that, a large, large part of the thing that he removed from was something so different from the environment that I grew up in. Um, wanting more of that. The, wanting to grow into that um i didn't i didn't expect it but it made perfect sense um as far as what about his journey uh surprised me the most um i was not expecting any sort of romantic tide at all so good on simon <laughs> Good job. The tip to GMs out there. Just don't even try. Just make a character and let the player come to you. You don't have to go after a character specifically. Let's see. 
Yeah, speaking of love interests, there was... Uh, so, yeah, it's very interesting that by the end, each uh, member of the four keeps had a like dedicated mate or spouse. Uh, so for everyone, uh, how did that develop? Because uh, those 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 characters were all introduced at very different stages of the campaign. Uh, so uh, yeah, how did that? like start and how did that uh, like above board conversation go for you all? Um, Gwen's was part of her backstory from the start, I, I either from the start or very early on because Gwen came from uh, Greenreach, which was a very, like I, it was Hobbiton, like not gonna lie, I took, just stole it. Uh, but like, it was, you know, a society where you had a uh, betrothed. It was, you know, you, you were, you know, betrothed to someone from a very young age and I thought it would be hilarious to have that be one of the reasons why Gwen left um and uh bringing Philip in as dear friend Rob um was so much fun and uh really just made him because I, I Rob played him perfectly for in my opinion as far as like just being the bumbling idiot who was like, I'm here to save you. And she's like, no, I'm fine. Like, go away. <laughs> oh my God. Still one of the best moments. Um, but it was, yeah, that was, that was from the start. Uh, he was always going to be a character. Um, and I'm so glad he came up, but I didn't, I kind of didn't expect it to be like, that's who she ended up with. Uh, it makes sense as far as the story arc from, from Gwen's you know, character perspective, because she like wanted to get away from this. She wanted to be her own person. And then she did and found that she could also be that and be helpful to her family and helpful to, you know, the people of Greenreach in a different way than just being a wife and a mother and like all that sort of stuff. So I'm very pleased with where that story arc went. Yeah. A lot of uh, like Gwen's maturing, basically, that we talked about a lot of the that was through like the more complicated rela relationship with philip and that was mm -hmm. uh interesting to see uh all right uh for the rest of you my name is rj and i like the lady with the combat boots step on me Caleb, is your wife single I mean, given that we should have we could have a conversation about it, no, not currently. <laughs> okay, but like, but like, when did you know that Calum had yeah a, had had an interest in Diantha? Because <sighs> it was I, I as a player didn't pick up on it until uh, until I, much I'm later. Pretty, I'm pretty sure Cal or uh, RJ knew that Calum had an interest in Diantha when Diantha was described and RJ made like the face. I was told she has a very big gun and I was like, huh? Okay. And then there were like the little interactions like um, props onto Simon because uh, I remember specifically that we came off of like a She-Ra like binge 
because a lot of the time Diantha would come in and go, "Hi, Kalem," like Katara from Shira. A little bit hers. I also remember that the first interaction that she had, where it wasn't the group of you, was I think asking Arjan like. So what's the deal with your friend? Like, wait, he's single? Like, what's good? Like, she came at you. Versus <laughs> other characters where it was just like, like I mean, Philip technically came after Gwen, but in a more, like, noble quest kind of way. Um, whereas Diantha was just like, that boy's weird. I like that little freak. What's good? And then you were like, it's, I don't know. Lots of things are good. She was like, God, you're so stupid. <laughs> are we talking objective or subjective goods because that's a whole philosophical debate in itself uh perfect yeah so i assume that there was uh like between or right after uh one of those sessions where uh once you went to the other it's like hey let's explore this i think it was a little bit further along than that actually uh it was like the first or no this is like the second time we entered the Feywild and Kayla met up with Diantha where we had that small bit of downtime there oh yeah and I, then he started hanging out with her eventually I I don't think that it was something necessarily that we talked about off the it table. just kind of happened <laughs> it was more of a just like this character is flirting with you this character is flirting back next thing we know oh shit we're married huh ha yeah, I think, it, I, I think that was, like, as far as the conversation went. I'm just, like, I think I think you asked, like, would Diantha be down? But I also, like, I can't recall exactly because it might have been Diantha being, like, hey, what's up? What's good? Or, like, she smooched you out of nowhere, out of seemingly nowhere when you saved the Feywild, like, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. A number of things. But I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a conversation that we necessarily had off board because the amount of yes and that I was getting from RJ in those scenes <laughs> was, okay, I'm, I'm fairly certain that like if I presented this, that he, that he wouldn't say no. Whereas like in the initiation of just like, hey, like how's it going? If he was like, I'm not really sure about this. Like if there was like any trepidation or any barrier, any wall, I think that um, at that time, I definitely uh, uh, would have been better at asking, uh, at least, of just like, hey, this character's into you. Y slash M. I thought you were going to say, like RJ said, why? Why? <laughs> Mood. Uh. Mood. <laughs> Yeah, as 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 far as um diantha goes i mean i think that she was i think it was one of those like she just picked calum and was like you this weird little guy um i like your words magic man basically yeah uh i have also for chat posted a picture uh the first picture that we have of philip uh into uh our questions for the courts and i am trying to find where we also have uh a picture of diantha and i will put her you can find a picture of diantha over at flailingwings.com oh danaekeener.com i don't know if i posted that one i don't think i have i'm if you probably search the four keeps Maybe. tab i'm looking i've saved it's everything. almost it's almost certainly in questions for the courts i don't know if i was posting stuff in the art tab yet well, anywho 
speaking of cool ladies with 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 neat weapons, uh, tell me about Olivier. What uh, I think we have. I know that we've talked about it on questions for the course before, but uh, yeah, how, how did that play out? We had a choice between several different uh, ship captains. And I remember specifically going, ooh, the drow sounds fun. Let's go with the She wears a sun hat and she's like, she's like seafaring and stuff, but she wears like a sun hat to keep the sun off of her for her sunlight sensitivity. That's really cool. Also, I like elves. Let's do that. And then she flirted with me and asked me out. And then I just, I didn't say no. So <laughs> now we're married. <laughs> My girlfriend took me to the moon. I, I am like, I, I like, tell me if I'm remembering it wrong, but I absolutely remember uh, Olivier making the first move. So it was, you had the choice of three different options. The option that I thought you were going to take was a gnome on a junker ship who spoke with a badger. And I was just going to be a weird little guy across the sea. And I, like, as a GM, made Oliviet as like, eh, uh, fuck it, drowsy captain. Uh, I, I guess this is her crew. Like, she was my throwaway in that moment. <laughs> Like, I had no backstory. I had no further plan other than the base name and the general crew. And when you all first arrived on the ship, I remember that you were, like, trying to set her up with Calum to try and, like, get those two together. Because then she was like, Calum, come to my captain's quarters. And you were all like, Then we found out she didn't swing that way. Well, as soon as you came in, she was like, so what's the deal with your with your friend Coriander? Like what's yeah, what's her whole her. thing? Like it was like a complete subvert on that moment. But again, oh, like I didn't know who Oliviet was until I was inhabiting that character. It just sort of gunning with it. Um uh, cannot believe Oliviet was our Bob the Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. That's honestly uh. though, honestly. A lot of characters were Bob the Goblin. A lot hey, of them. You know, she yeah. she went from Bob the Goblin to Oliviet the Moon Maiden awful fast. Like that that shit had depth. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, also throwing out that the uh the Moon Maiden stuff that all happened. I just needed a reason for Danae to not be with the rest of the characters while y'all were on a ship, and I was like, ah, the moon. That's a place they could go. And then again, it ended up being like one of the like quintessential like key memory formed with Corey and Olivier. And that was me not really knowing what I was doing or where I was going at the time. But it turned out the moon was a pretty cool place. Olivier is your next day with curry. The, uh... She gets better with time. Ah. Uh... And it does help with the romance element. Uh, Simon did cite uh, watching a lot of Arrow during one of the more like intense romantic talky episodes between the two. Oh my god! Uh, that was so I'm sure she, that helped a lot. That was when she couldn't go to the Feywild with Corey. I had been just binge watching Arrow season one and two, <laughs> so I needed to like I needed to invest in that CW bullshit. And it was so tasty. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was the tragic. And last 
like Corey's still like in in full like char secrecy mode so it's all like no you can't with me no you can't come with me no i can't tell you why like uh perfect cw that is right on theme and last but far from least arjan and rasa i don't want to know what cw show they are <laughs> <laughs> that did not get greenlit um honestly i was real surprised about arjan because like from the early from the early stuff like I knew I had Ilni in the backstory. Um, but her showing up and just being like, oh, by the way, I've been lying to you this entire time. <laughs> I'm not who you thought I was. Uh, it just really threw me for a loop. Um, and then... I mean, Simon, you're gonna have to tell me. I I was getting weird vibes from Macoth like the entire first bit. Wait, what's so Macoth a cougar? Out, turns out that Indoor as a person doesn't know uh, how to flirt as an older woman without making it seem kind of creepy and weird, and then. She was like, hey, I, she also started off kind of weird. And I think that if anything, I actually really like how it turned out. I don't think that in the moment it was the best way that I could have done things. Um, and I know that at least in, in retrospect, but that's kind of what this is for, um, I know that she wasn't I liked her as a character and I think that the way that she interacted with the keeps was fine. I think that if I had to do things differently, I wouldn't have put her or tried necessarily to encourage her as a romantic interest with Arjan, but at the end of the day, I think that it is much more telling for Arjan and really really telling of the campaign that Arjan could put up a boundary and say this isn't what I want I'm actually not interested in this I don't like you that way and her having that moment of just like kind of like self imploding because she had led herself to believe a specific thing. And again, if, if we had to go back, I don't think that we would have followed the, the same, uh, the same lines of dialogue necessarily that we did. Uh, at least I, I, I don't think I would have, um, to like a 90% degree certainty because I mean, I'm the showrunner. I'm, I'm the one. I'm the brain behind all of the moving pieces. It's like, well, that clearly could have been changed to the same effect that we got, anyways. But I really do. I really did appreciate the fact that Arjan was able to say, "I don't want this. This is not for me." I appreciate that, but no. Um, and then to role play 
I think that that was more of a learning opportunity or a, a, not necessarily a learning opportunity, but the way that that was processed for me being able to play as Macoth afterward, I think that that was very, that was a, that's a hard road to walk <laughs> because it is a character that the rest of the party still wants to interact with to a degree but you have not necessarily beef with one character, but you're on tender footing with one member of the party. And uh, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know if I played that uh, the way that I wanted. I don't know if I played that the way that any of us thought that that would go. Um, but... I thought it was uncomfortable, but but it was like a decent, like okay. good, good place to role play. Like a little bit of tension, um, like the safest way to explore being friends with both sides of a couple who just broke up. <laughs> Fair, because we all need practice with that. <laughs> but I think, I think that the one thing about about the Macoth relationship if if you would call it that is that if i'm i'm gonna call myself out on bullshit um when we started this campaign i don't think that we did a session zero we certainly didn't set lines and veils because that wasn't common vocabulary that wasn't anything that i had really heard of and each of us went into this campaign blind about where each other drew lines that they didn't want to cross. And I think that that's, I mean, that's one thing that we have going forward. And that's one thing that we obviously like developed later on is the, is the understanding of like, okay, like this person doesn't like this, this person like interacts with others in, the, in this specific way. But when we first started off and Macoth being introduced in like the first like five, six sessions uh, at most by session eight and then having that element to her. If we looked back on it, knowing what we know now, it's just like, oh, man, was I the problematic one? Was I doing a bad and it's a lot of like kind of looking at that and, and having having to be uh, reflective on it because it, it is one of those things where like at the time, I didn't even know that's what you should be doing. And so it felt very just like, well, like, I think we're doing okay. And like the idea of following up with a player wasn't the, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind when it should have been because at that time the gms that i had experienced and and the game i say game uh as a singular because i will always state that before doing the four keeps i had run one campaign and that was storm king's thunder as an adventure module and even during that game uh, I will be, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I had a player leave because I misread what that character wanted. I completely misread what they were wanting and needing out of a scene uh, to the point where they just said, I'm good. 
and nothing sticks with you as a GM. Like when a player says, hey, you know that thing that you did? Mm-hmm. That's the big reason why I'm leaving. And you can only just say, okay. And so... I mean, but to be fair, you did... I mean, like, as things changed in the community and yeah. things changed in the the ttrpg space there were i remember specifically the time that i didn't know that i had a line and i had to go hey wait a minute yeah. i can't actually do th- with yeah. the water snakes i, the, the I don't know why that's clause. the thing yeah fucking yeah. <laughs> and yeah i was like hey i can't do that and you're like yeah okay i won't describe it yeah. anymore i was like perfect <laughs> yeah no and, and it's... that is so long ago at this point oh like, yeah five years I, the, the i I, I myself have a problem where like I will look back on memories and I will dwell on them for so long um, because, you know, I like I, I made a mistake and like, I, I don't know, I think it's like a method of my brain uh, that goes like, we're going to like we're, we're going to put this memory on repeat so that you never, ever do that again. Hey, dog, I heard um, you were trying to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And like at some point you have to like forgive yourself and say, I'm not that person anymore. Like, I I hate that I did that, but like, I, I am better now that it would not happen the same way again. Um, Yeah. It's important to. I'm thinking more specifically uh, about like killing a dog in Curse of Strahd. Um, But like, you know. What? I did do that, yes. Our Twitch stream, uh, not legally obligated, but technically should be on doesthedogdie.com under yes. Yes, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I don't recommend that particular episode of Curse of Straw. Everything else is Gucci. But um... (laughs) Bay Keener is over party. (laughs) Oof. Big oof, y'all. We went on yeah. a, on a, a long tangent. Ar, uh, so, Ar- so Arjun, Arjun was, you know, that that was two ladies in his life that he was getting real, real bad, real bad blood with, real bad vibes with. So I was, you know, I was not expecting, you know, really anything else, until it got to, um, Gwen's wedding, and. Uh, we were floating out the ideas of dates. And I didn't go with it at the time. But thinking about it, and I, I think that I actually rolled for it. Um, If the dice would have landed differently, Arjun would have invited Rasa as friends. Because at that point, Rasa was, you know, showing a little bit of interest. And apparently, the age difference between Arjun and Makah follows Fire Emblem logic because the age difference between Arjun and Rasa was uh, real different. <laughs> yeah, with uh, fancy stuff, age gaps are relative. Um, After a certain point. Yes. <laughs> so that that was the first time that we had like floated it as a possibility um but then after getting the potion of dragon's majesty and going to the astral sea to like talk to rasa about coming to the hells to fight orcas um i think that's what we were doing um and transforming and rasa calling him beautiful that's what 
solar pocket. And then it just progressed from there. Very nice. Uh, there was a question about uh, Arjan's relationship with Ilmi and Makoth as of the monologue. Is it safe to say that that relationship is non-existent? Well, Arjan and Ilmi actually did patch things up. Um, it was during the year that he was in the Feywild working on the Potion of Dragon's Majesty. He did have time. He did reconnect with Ilmi. Um, he he just needed time to figure out who he was and come to terms with the fact that she wasn't who he thought she was and now wants to get to know who that person is. Um, so they are they're on a lot better foundation here um, at the end of everything. Arjan and Makath I think also did um patch things up after you know giving each other space um yeah the big thing was um her blowing up on him on like not talking to her during the time gap that they were in the actual sea <laughs> the the thing that he had no control over um but, that was a nerve for me as a player. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, but after, you know, some time and them having a better working relationship just as two leaders of um, cities in the in the area, and especially with Arjan uh, wanting to do more inter-city uh, public programs like, uh, you know, the Red Talon and everything. I think that they do end up in a in a friendlier place at the end of everything. That's good to hear. Speaking of uh, multi multi city programs and other such ventures for Danae, LB, RJ, and Simon, how has your characters or NPCs expanded the next iteration of Small Business Simulator? If we only had the time. Honestly, if asked, um, Kalen would have thrown all of himself into R&D for Arjan for potion brewing. Just like, yeah, I could go find some grimoires about some potions. It'll be fine. Do you want me to, you want me to do what? You want me to mo modify them a little bit? Yeah, I'm all about that. Science bros, baby. I miss science bros. I got to think about like the stuff that I had access to at that point. I... I don't know if there was much for Corey in, uh, in in small business sim at all. Like, if we if we stayed in small business sim, Corey would have found some sort of trouble to get into. Absolutely, just like all kinds of nonsense. You know, probably instead of being um, in so much trouble with Char, she would have found a way to get into more trouble with. Um, oh. Dang it. Uh, Island Dragon. Arask. Arask. Thank you. God. Yeah. I think Gwen, Gwen would have done training. Like, like she would have been on the, like, 
maybe not the intake sort of stuff, but like how to better yourself as a, you know, explorer or as a fighter or like learn from my mistakes is how you deal with people. I don't know. Like she is not a business minded person, so she would not be able to help in like any of the financials, obviously. <laughs> or I just remember like that. Corey was already in trouble. She was she was water cursed by this point. Um, <laughs> she'd probably be working on that. Okay, but to be fair, the question is the next iteration of small business sim. Next iteration? Uh, it's not Corey, man. It's Corey's mom. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say it's summer Corey. Yeah. Working at like a surf shop or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, dang, girl. Uh, so how would characters and NPCs expand the next iteration of small business sim? There are five Arillos jiving for small business that have lost their employment. They are, they just, they just want to work in a shop. They just want to sell trinkets and goods. Do you need a shopkeep? As long as you can protect them from the greater cosmic entity of the trade of the Lord of Trade. Yeah, they'll work. They're good at work. That's it. At least for me. Yeah, if we don't have any um, thoughts on that, uh, let's go with. I submitted this question because I've gotten so much shit from Small Business Simulator. <laughs> It's fun. I, it's just like I wanted a week to make a potion and everybody got into trouble. If it helps, <laughs> I didn't know how to do downtime until we were in the fourth real life year of this campaign. Yeah. It's hard. I didn't know. Yeah. But when you know better, you do better. Speaking of ways that uh, characters can affect the world and therefore of that world for, I assume this is mainly for the four keeps, uh, but this could apply to all of you. Uh, what was your favorite part of the world building? All right, listen, throwing the arcana in there like as a seven like 11th hour hail mary oof <laughs> that was the good stuff for me he's like mm -hmm. uh but that aside i really liked the underwater empire uh that we went to go get the vessel for caius the cadrum the cadrum empire if I were if we were to do like a prequel, I want to explore the cage room a bit more. They sound rad as hell. Vampire Church was vibes. Like that one that one took me out of left field. Um and I was like, ooh, ooh, that's actually really cool. Oh dang. Mine was the Gated Glen and having like the Feywild bleed and that in, in Greenreach having the Feywild bleeding in. And how that would affect everything. I love stuff like that. So, and you know, having to traverse that. I I appreciate Simon's ability to create 
a whole homebrew world in general. Uh, so I, I just the whole thing. But I think that was my favorite part because it was just like, it's like when you're playing a video game and that part of the map is undiscovered. And I was like, well, show me more of this place. I want to I want to see every part. Yeah, but then you have to go to the Lakes of Lernia to find the key to get into the Academy. You could tell that the world was lived in. And part of that was because there were definitely scars from uh, former games that Simon has run. Like uh, the Hollocks and uh, everything that was there. But also that... Uh, you know, Simon is also not, he's not overprotective of his world either. Um, and definitely gives us um, the room to build out within it. Um, that he let me run a whole ass campaign uh, a couple of years later while our current campaign was still going on so um yeah for me yeah, i've actually had oh sorry no continue oh i was gonna move on but if you have something for the world building question yeah for me i think that the the greatest joy that i had at the start of this campaign wasn't solidifying the things that I wanted to be in the campaign, but it was solidifying the things that my players wanted in the campaign. I did not anticipate when I initially made this for Saloon to be one of the primary deities. I did not anticipate having a Feywild or the way that it was structured in its entirety. I had no relevant thoughts about the cult of the dragon or what that means to anyone and i did not have a reasoning for goliaths to exist where they did major parts of the campaign and major areas of the campaign areas that we went to consistently that we constantly revisited those are all because my players are as invested in this world as i am I can say, this is X place, this is who lives here, this is their daily routine, in a very Stardew-esque way of like, mm, this building does not open until 8, I'm sorry you wanted to get farming equipment from Marnie, that's not happening. Like, I could do that, but if I ask a player, okay, what's there, and then they serve me gold? It would be a disservice to not include that and make that focal points in the upcoming campaign. Like when, when, like all of the draconians, everything draconian related, related. Um, I think there was one moment where I had a shocked Pikachu face, and that was when you guys met uh, the the green dragon herald Sol Ren. Uh, also known as Ren, to his friends and enemies. Um, there was a moment where you went, oh my god, Mount Renstrom. He's been there the whole time. And I flipped through every note that I had and just went, 
yeah. And I closed it because that was not what I had initially thought of at all. Like you guys were thinking of way better shit happening out in the world. And all I had to do was quote unquote, make your dreams come true. That's the easiest thing I can do as a guy who can plan weeks in advance. So like all of that kind of stuff was very... That was my favorite part about world building. Wasn't the things that I was thinking up. Wasn't the better ideas that I, or better slash worse ideas that I've seen in TV and movie and games. It was legitimately, I want to see what my friends create and I want to be able to fit that exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. I, I got back into GMing, uh, couple months ago and i could not agree more uh the, the things that the uh players have tossed my way have been like the main factor of what i've been yeah. considering and speaking of things that uh the players throw your way uh there was the note about tyrant security which tyrant security which i believe is where uh, a lot of these lore around patients came from. Let's see. I'm not seeing anything for Tyrant Security just yet. Oh no. Uh, we... Let's see. There was. There is. A, there is a question about. Um, yes. About patients. Yeah. Um, yeah. The lore behind Argon's crossbow. Okay. So. As we were harping on more of the stuff about Tarlayan and the Warren Kingdoms and everything. Um, and just thinking about, like, how long ago that was in the world and everything. Um, uh, talking with Simon. Um, I, I brought up to him, like, I think it might... I think the invention of the crossbow might have dated back to the Warren Kingdoms, and it might have been done at Tarlayan's instruction. Like he, he might have, like, like that might have been something there. Um, and I think we started getting into like, oh, how how did uh, Tarlayan die? Uh, who actually killed Tarlayan? Um. And it was, uh, well, like one of the very first users of the crossbow, um, just like in the world, and uh, Simon, what pronouns did we end up for them? Uh, he, they. Okay. Um. And it was this, uh trans man character uh, called Armbjorn um, who was like one of uh, one of Tarlane's like lieutenants or like generals or like something um, who ended up I, I don't I don't know the whole story but um, it, yada yada things happened was the person to eventually take down Tarlane whenever Thanks for going to shit. We didn't have a moment for that to really come up on screen. 
Um, I have, I think like we had discussed in Discord, like how it would have ended up in Ross's ward. Yeah. And then back to Arjun, but um, yeah, it just didn't seem relevant with everything else that was going on. That's fair. Yeah, that's... yeah. There was a um, I remember. Well, I also remember that it was like. I think I I I had made mention of just like, oh, like, do we want to tell the rest of the party? You're like, ah, let's wait on that. And I remember like us getting like a a pin in that conversation. Um, yeah, effectively the the lore that had been established is that the, it was the crossbow that brought Tarlayan down. Um, after that, the hunter, from my recollection, uh, Arnbjorn ended up uh, traveling through the like pocket dimensions kind of thing uh, while tracking down some, uh, uh, some wild threat it was at that point that um, they were saved by mind or from mind flayers by Rasa and crew um, because the Gith uh, anti mind flayer would do not stand the emperor uh, here in Gith society, and patience was given to Rasa for saving the hunter's life, and then the hunter. Arnbjorn, I think I had planned for them to, like, be stuck on the plane breaker or something relating to that. And, like, because on the plane breaker, you don't age. Like, there's there's no, like, oh, you grow old and die here. No, like, it, you are stuck in that stasis age. And I think eventually they managed to get off, like, hundreds of years later or something like that. But I mean, well, Simon. Yeah. You're talking about a hunter that's been chasing a wild thing through pocket dimensions and being ageless. So you know I have to tie that into my season two story. I'm here for it. Fascinating. Look, this is when you play that character in season three. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you tie your own backstories <laughs> ten years later. Um, but I think that is a good place to go to a break uh, for the evening so that way we can stretch our legs, get some water. We're making good progress through these questions. We're going to try and be back in five to ten minutes, so don't go no place unless it's to grab a food, grab a drink, grab a friend, or possibly go to indooradventure.redbubble.com, and we'll see you all shortly. All right, everybody. See you soon. We're back. Hello, everybody. We've returned with yet Simon. more questions. Whoa. Oh, my God. I just wanted to do that. <gasps> Oh my god. I, I, I was gonna say, like, we didn't do a bit this time. <laughs> <laughs> Levi's living the dream. Oh my god, it's incredible. You got a reaction out of all of us. Uh, uh, I have not the power. <laughs> Noctua, do you know when we first started doing that? I cannot remember. Oh it god. wasn't literally like episode three, like we started was, doing that. It was quite was it really? some time ago. Yeah, we were still calling Simon Steven back then. Yeah, it's true. That's my work Who's slash Steven? Christian name. <laughs> we were calling him by his government. <laughs> yeah, by government, government. That's so funny. I, uh, my favorite one is still when we all left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just went away. 
guy and he went i see my so my personal favorite uh my personal favorite bit uh in retrospect uh was lb you doing the full haiku commit like roll on your floor and me being like what the fuck are you doing i have never seen haiku why would you do that to me and now i'm over here like the lights are off no music is playing and i'm crying because chapter 378 of haiku is just fucking beautiful uh my favorite bit was with our dear friend rob yeah, and oh my god his roommate so coming Fine. out the Which the roommate one? coming out from oh, under the desk. Yeah, yeah. that was a great also, one. The, oh. This is a Caius infection checkpoint. Yeah, that's that was really so good. good. <laughs> Truly iconic. Rob, we love you. I hope yeah. you're doing well should... in England. Potter's should... poem was amazing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that poem was great. I would. Oh, I was just gonna be a silly goose and say my favorite were the, were the Mario characters because I got to use props. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh, uh, what shark? A shark cat? When I had Asmodeus, the kitten, and he had his little shark hat on. Oh, just popping him up, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Rob again, but with the ocarina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite one was where we bullied Simon with compliments. Yes. Oh yeah. Always. Oh, oh I've never related to too. Noir more. <laughs> Shout out to the Noir Enigma on Twitter. Great role player. Fantastic friend. Delightful. Uh, so that was our first question. Back from break. Yeah, our uh, impromptu question. Uh, Simon question mark. <laughs> um, let's uh, ease back into it. Uh, were there any trope episodes that you particularly enjoyed? I wanted to try that didn't happen. Things like beach episode, body swap episode. Well, we're all really into wrestling because Rey Mysterio's here for some reason. I, well, we made the joke from like episode two that we were gonna have a Civil War episode. Mm -hmm. The the Avengers, not American history. Right, right, right. <laughs> Now that we're Man. past that particular part of the cultural zeitgeist, we do need to specify. <laughs> I We kind of had a beach episode. We, well, I don't know if our beach episode was actually, we were at the beach when we got attacked by the the underwater elves. Um, mm -hmm. I, I always wanted to do a body swap episode, but I wanted to do it in a way that we played... I don't because it's hard to do like in a role play scenario, mm -hmm. but like having to play the character, like you would either have to play your character's voice as the other person, but that would right. be difficult because you would be making decisions for that other character. So that right. wouldn't work playing your character in somebody else's voice and body, which would be more mm -hmm. like more role play heavy as far as like, when being mm -hmm. like, why am I so tall? And like me doing, uh, you know, accents. And like, it would be fun because Gwen doesn't know how to do magic and would probably just do, like, it'd be like the Teen Titans episode where they do a body swap. Yes, or... yes. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I, I and I, I brought this up during um, Nights in the Courtyard when we did do a body swap episode in uh, Curse of Strahd. Um, 
I, my biggest pet peeve is when um, an animated show does a body swap episode and what they do is that they just swap it, like they just put the voice actors in different bodies. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that you should trust the voice actors enough to do an impression of the other character. Like, it's the same vocal cords in that body. It should be mm -hmm. like, it should, <laughs> it should be um, Starfire's voice, but Raven's affectation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, right. right. Um, Helen and Bottom Carter playing uh, Emma Watson playing Helen and Bottom, and Bottom Carter. Carter. Yes, yes, that. yes, yes. Trust your actors. Mm -hmm. I would I'd have also liked some. Full and well, they used the other voice in that scene <laughs> in the movie that will not be named. But, yeah. but... I would have liked some um, forewarning before Same. that episode because yeah. yeah, uh, I, I was panic reading through Corey's sheet like, okay, oh, yeah. what can she do? Oh no! Uh, um, oh yeah, uh, I'm not I, like I had to play a wizard. I didn't care about the fact that I didn't know how to play a wizard. Like that was part of the fun and like was very in character actually. Uh, I wanted to be able to practice Caleb's voice. <laughs> yeah. Hello, my name is Coriander. Uh, hello, how was that, Caleb? <laughs> Um, Arjan, this is very scary being so tall. How do I am not this? about to scream into this mic. Doug <laughs> <laughs> is sleeping. <laughs> My son is very sleepy. Honestly, I'm surprised I could do Gwen's voice for so long. Like, it's all nasal. It, that's it. If it had been anything else, I don't know. Because, like, I did have a raspy voice for her at one point. Like, a deep, like, Bakugo type voice. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't use that part of my voice. So just turning I mean, off everything else but my nose. To be fair, like if we're talking about accents at the start of the campaign versus accents towards the end of it, I remember Cyber saying that he was going for like a New Zealandy accent for Arjan at the very beginning oh, as dang. well. Yeah, really, I just needed an accent where um, Blake sounded like black. Mm -hmm. So... That's that's how it grew. <laughs> and then the first one hurt my voice, so I <laughs> softened it. I, I went with generic British because I grew up listening to Chronicles of Narnia audio dramas and I felt like I could do it. We're I'm nervous all the time. The <laughs> incredible. How's that, Simon? Oh, I just said incredible. I love all <laughs> you guys. Incredible. <laughs> And it was also one of We're... my my big pleasures throughout the campaign to be able to imitate each of you at least once. You always oh. did such a good job, too. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we keep on making up questions. We should throw it back to Levi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say, uh, how has playing the same character for over five years changed the way you view role-playing, if at all? Not quite role-playing, but when we were at PAX Unplugged, Danae fucking read me to filth. We were playing a game called Fictions, where it's essentially Wordle, but um, oh. you get to you, the person gets to lie about like one of the letters inside of the thing to throw people off. And I was spelling out a word, and I was writing with my finger on the desk, and Danae <gasps> just goes, I think I just witnessed a Kayla moment. <laughs> That's so good. Not specifically about role playing, but role playing games in general. Would y'all believe me if I said at the beginning of the game 
whenever I heard that in Adventures League you can change all of your all of your stats and your build and everything up to level five, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. How would you justify changing your entire? I know for me, this is my first uh, streamed game, streamed TTRPG. So, like, it made me, I think, uh, be okay with silence. Um, I I know Gwen is a a filler, as as I am. Like, and, like, if we have a moment where, like, somebody needs to roll and there's going to be some silence, Gwen will say something or, like, something will happen just Mm -hmm. as, like, a to fill that space. But, like, giving people time to... And listening was big for me because I have a uh, fidget energy. Uh, mm. So like, I know, especially with Connor, I'm very, I, f- I try to be very protective of like, let him cook, <laughs> let him have his time. <laughs> He's going to come out and like say something cool. So I think it, that has taught me that for sure. And, and going forward, as far as like TTRPGs in general, I always give my, my advice to people who are DMing a stream TTRPG for the first time, I'm like, I always say, like, don't be afraid of silence. Let your players have their moments and let it play out. You know, like, Mm. don't feel like you need to interrupt. Just let them them do it. Mm. I'm pretty sure there have been, like, whole sessions where Simon has said, like, three words and we've just Mm. been, like, (sighs) soliloquying at each other. It's so good. Those are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I literally don't need to prep at all. I just go, you're in a room. Yeah. And you all just go, room. okay, room time. Got Let's it. Let's go. Yeah. We're like vamping. We're going to vamp. I mentioned before that I have a problem with sticking with one character for a prolonged period of time. Uh, and this was my, like, clockwork orange moment of, like, you know, sit me down, tie me to the chair, stick my eyes open, and now you're Corey for five years. Um, but I it, it, it did teach me a lot about, like, letting a character develop over time. And I mean, <laughs> letting them cook, as it were. Um, it, this this is the the longest I've ever gone as one character, um, and I feel like it taught me a lot. Uh, as on a serious note, for myself, um, I came from a background where it's a lot of shorter sessions. Um, this is my first like commit to a really long, long game, and. Mm-hmm. It's taught me to be invested in other people's characters. Mm-hmm. Because I, I we are all telling a story. So I think that's part of it. I, I really do. Yeah. Because like you you come to the game because you want to see where your character goes. But you stay in a five-year game because you want to see where all four of these characters go together. Life is a highway and I'm wondering where God everyone else is it. driving to. <laughs> <laughs> did did they turn on their blinkers here too? Uh okay. <laughs> uh I will say kind of the opposite of uh sessions where Simon speaks very little. Uh what's the top five NPCs? Sten Fazeno. Sten Fazeno. He was here from the start. And I was just the whole campaign going, when's he going to come up again? He's going to come up again. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say Arillo. Like, there, there is no other character that has left quite the impression that Arillo did. Agreed. For better or worse. Um, 
Infamous still has famous in it. Kara, <laughs> uh, Tiamat, and Arask are mm -hmm. two of mine. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted are good, yeah. Bill and Ted. Oh! Yeah. oh the frump. I'm... The frump. <laughs> the flop. Skiznabat. yeah. Yeah, yes. I know it needs to be said. Florence Welsh as the Raven Queen. Yes. Uh, you need a big yeah. god. Yes. Oh my god. I, Olivier, I, I gotta say my girlfriend. My dad. Fucking your... pink dad. I love you. Oh my god. And your mom. And my mom. Yes. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to see much of her until the very end. But mm -hmm. like the, the fucking like prestige with the honeymoon chase uh from uh, my mind and i was like oh my god that's my mom <laughs> it was very nice seeing hotterai uh, hotterai was the character uh, that simon i met simon playing uh, and Amaris. he was also a weird little guy who got discredited from academia yeah. like his backstory literally didn't change going into the four keeps i just you know renamed it from the land of cheeto to alira and the floating city of Bascor. My yeah. name is RJ. Saying Philip is cheating because that was Rob uh, to start mm -hmm. with. You could say Todd. Like Todd, fucking Todd. Um, um, uh, Grayskull. Mm -hmm. Grayskull. Um, a fantastic voice from Simon, actually. Yeah. Like that's that's like right within his register. Like that's, and God, he's so dumb. He's so yeah. dumb, and I. I want to give him a big old hug. But when he had to go to that, when he when they were like, "Is it your birthday?" Like, I want somebody to <sighs> animate that scene so bad of just like the fear, the lighting dims down, and they're just like <laughs> clapping and staring at him. Oh my god! Happy uh, birthday! Uh, I just loved wizard powers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got wizard powers. Uh. My um, favorite was a, was a real sweet boy too. Yeah. Who? Yes. Kendek. Oh yeah, Kendek. Yeah. Oh, I love Kendek. Kendek and Strum. Kendek and Strum and Girana. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my Huddle. Swift is the ten winds. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Swift is the ten winds. Yeah, for sure. The zesty I mean, anchor crew. Yeah. Off constantly. Yeah. All the. There, oh, we I cannot pick all of them. <laughs> Yeah, we cannot we'll pick. Here all night. We, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. will. They'll be here all night. If I had oh. to single out one single <laughs> NPC, okay, okay. though. Each one of you choose one. Then, okay. Who's not me, and that's how we'll choose top five, is each of the Do five of you's favorites. Okay. And we got Chat's opinion, because Levi's here. He's directly above me. Yeah. Okay. I am. Yeah. yeah in wow. my Zoom and on the stream. <laughs> I'm going to have to go Grayskull. My boy, in my head. What's well, good? Yeah. Sorry. Saying. Oh, sorry. What was that, Connor? I'm gonna say Cora. I feel if I say any of the NPCs related to Calum, it's a cop out. I love them all dearly, but I love me a stinky, stinky bastard. So I'm going with Discovery. Discovery's good. Ooh, uh, Uglon is my pick. Shit, that was mine. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, pink dad in a hamster ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Ken Dex great. Love it from the moment I met him. Uh, uh, for my favorite NPC that I got to introduce, even if it was momentarily, it was the squirrel that ran up and down <gasps> the world tree. Um, oh my god! god. Oh, hey. <laughs> he was he was my favorite because that also was just a very like like out of pocket character like i don't know why i had that one on lock but he was there it's probably because i was watching space jam at least like twice a day for a solid month but like who's to say what well, i'm gonna come make y'all come on and <laughs> slam um the my joke answer is the NPC in Sertelier that watched in horror as Cory jumped into the lava without taking the potion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I drink the potion. Uh, uh, was that everybody? Levi, what about you, bud? He's a Kendak. He's a Kendak. Okay, okay, okay. But we all know that the overall choice is Sten Fazeno, the award winning artist. Of course. The ironic choice is Sten Fazeno, the award-winning arborist. <laughs> Look, grow big or grow home. Those are your two options. Bruh. Do you remember the can't... big cheese? Oh, the big cheese was pretty cool. Okay, I've got to cut y'all off there. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Bartender. <laughs> uh, so, Simon, uh, what homebrew mechanic from Four Keeps are you proudest of making? And, like, this could be an item, an encounter... Uh, some God. other one-off mechanic. This is... This sucks, because I made homebrew <laughs> mechanics for, like, every person, except I, the only one I think I didn't necessarily make homebrew mechanics for was Gwen. I really? Yeah, I, like, I, there was, I, like, the, the eye of the, the axe form. wasn't homebrew? The axe was homebrew, but the idea of scaling it up came from the critical role book, which was like, oh, this is the like this is the sleeping, the awakened, and the mm -hmm. exalted form. Do, that do you mind if I suggest it... something? Huh? Do you mind if I suggest something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh godling powers. So AKA Planeswalker. This is this is my thing. Great worm powers with Arjan. An entire subclass for Calum, or Godling <laughs> powers for Cory plus the Ring of Autumn. Those three, th those four things combined in total, I would say, is like my magnum opus as far as a game designer. But if I had to choose to like cut in between the two, like to narrow it down to two, it would be the Godling powers. Uh, because those directly bled into how the Great Worm powers were tailored. And then mm -hmm. also having having an entire subclass for Calum. But that was more me just like the spells and the way that everything's laid out in 5e makes a lot of sense when you read it but it stops making sense as soon as you enter the discussion of why can't as a wizard if i am learning something change a keyword such as when you're coding 
to instead of like deals poison rebrand fire like it's game design right like it's like it's mm-hmm. a a standard game mechanic where like you can change the thing of that why can't a player do that and that is now a base thing that wizards can do in D not 5.5 slash D next what have you that's a standard thing that wizards can do but as far as having never created anything before and trusting one of my friends to just like i know that you're a wizard i've played with you before i know that you're a feisty motherfucker here's the ability <laughs> to do anything you want to have a good time wink and then the 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 planeswalker abilities but i didn't even necessarily create the planeswalker abilities for this campaign those were made for mm-hmm. the ravnica campaign and then we brought those in for Corey. So mm-hmm. as far as the thing that I am most proud of making for this campaign, it is a tie between an entire class for Kalem or one magical item slash artifact. I've never mm-hmm. made an artifact before. Mm-hmm. The Ring of Autumn took me maybe a month and a half to figure out before I was <laughs> ready to present Sorry, I never used it correctly. <laughs> you did. It just not. Look, I gave you a thing that said 18 abilities and you read 17. That's not either of ours fault. <laughs> Yeah, he uses a fair bit. Uh, circling back to the whole subclass, uh, RJ, what's the craziest planned use of Kale's magic that we didn't see get to see? I'm so terrified. What we didn't get to see was how Kalem sealed Caius. And it's a funny story. Uh, did you know that the ninth level uh, ability imprisonment isn't concentration? It just happens. Right? So, Caleb had stored Caius away in a scabbard, casted a animate object on the scabbard to turn it into a creature, and then imprisoned the scabbard somewhere. So you turn him into a fleet, a tiny fleet, and then you put the fleet in a box. I put that box in another box, and then I shipped it to myself, and then I smashed it with a hammer. <laughs> so when the casting of anime object goes away, the object is still there because it's considered worn by the creature. Mm. So you basically put him in a straitjacket, and made it so that the straitjacket cannot be moved in space. Correct. I haven't really decided on which of the imprisonments that he put him in, but it might be something funny like the maze, because then that means you have to go and find the demi maze, the demi plane maze that you can't scry or use divination magic in or teleport into. That's and a then good find and then find him inside the maze by rolling several intelligence checks. Okay, alternatively, though, not to poo-poo the plan, a trapped creature would then need to make a roll to escape that, correct? No, they're just trapped there. The maze? The maze is at the end of the turn. They have to re- Maze itself is another spell Uh, that that you have to keep rolling to try to get out of. Imprisonment is like the end-all be-all. You're not going anywhere. Fair. You're going nowhere. And then I put that maze in a demiplane inside of a little orb. <laughs> well, so the, one of the components for said imprisonment is a tiny miniature of the prison. 
So I put that tiny miniature of the prison in several demi planes oh, that you're gonna need to search. Oh, just get to make it. Get Yuglon and and Cat to make you a, a tiny prison palace. <laughs> Welcome to my tiny prison palace. Speaking of villains, uh, do you all have a most despised character? If so, who? Sten Fazeno. <laughs> oh, I. I, I I thought you were gonna say T. Oh no, no, no. Tifa would be for uh... <laughs> Tifa's for Archon. Yeah, for Archon. Um, God, I mean, that that got better eventually. Yeah. Hated NPCs. It's it's really Simon. hard to say. Why is catastrophe? Why? <laughs> You didn't have to do that. Why is catastrophe? <laughs> because I love her, and he can't change my mind. <laughs> She's one of one of the worst people I've ever made. But like, she's not the worst in like a Ren or a Tiamat being bad or anybody. She's just, I. I love the friend group that we have, but like, why do you keep bringing around that guy? Like, that <laughs> is that guy. And that was me again, like, having binged Shira on the Princess of Power, saw, um, uh, uh, Techno Princess. What's her fucking name? Entrapta. Entrapta. Seeing Entrapta and being like, I can make her worse. <laughs> I can't believe Entrapta's dead. Oh my god, I can't believe she's dead. I can't believe. So, uh, yeah, that is why. Catastrophe. And then, I just thought it was really funny if... Uh, that's actually one of my, my standout moments of the campaign, um, is uh, Yuglon and Kat getting together, and Cory saying, welcome to the family, and Kat's responsive, no, welcome to mine. <laughs> uh, and seeing the look on Danae's face of just like, oh, oh no! <laughs> Like that was, the problem is, is that I've gone through that. I already know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Uh so so yeah, that is that is my catastrophe. Um, I've got mine. Yeah. Elsharis. Hate oh, that yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh. El you charmed my dad? <laughs> El Elsharis is the is the legitimate answer. Like public enemy number 1. All of us are ready and willing to do horrible things to get her out of here. If if you ask me who Corey's most hated character is, it would be Char. But if I look inside my heart, I know it to be true. Parnell. Parnell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he sucks. He's a character that refuses to learn and refuses to get better. That's I'm sorry, thing. Wings. I thought I think you mispronounced he refuses to die. <laughs> I forgot about them until this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. They're oh. not our problem. <laughs> yeah. No, see like as a player, who caused you the most frustration? Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, moving on from that, uh, so for Simon, yeah. what story or character moment were you nervous preparing or introducing that turned out great when it wound up being played out? 
Oh, um, all of them, I would say, uh, as the GM, um, I know it's tired at this point to say, but I never did this before. As my main reason for always being nervous and always having that moment of anxiety, but it's not that, because it's not that I haven't done this before. In theater, when I was doing theater in, in high school, we would describe it as pre-show jitters. And when you, over a course of period of time, spend hours selecting choice words for a monologue, specifying every single thing that you need to say in a given point, it becomes nerve-wracking going into that. And that is not for any... And that's that's just for, for speaking monologues for characters who are villains, right? Now, imagine speaking as Oliviette and spending hours of your time writing out a monologue to ask one of your players, who is the love interest of your character, why can't I join? To spend hours of time writing a song for a party member, specifically for when they die or when they reach a certain part of the campaign or the idea of like, no, there need, I would like for there to be a living song with my players, but I don't know how to write music but i want there to be and learning how to do that and and not necessarily even learning but learning to let learning how to write music but learning how to let go on that so as far as moments throughout the campaign that i feel stuck the most were the ones that i prepared ahead of time and that i labored over there are others that I didn't that also stuck as well, such as Elisharis kissing Farron and then sending Calum be like, <laughs> like that was one of those like, mm, I'm such a bad bitch. This is great. Like that was one of those moments. But realizing like in the uh, second to last session of writing a goodbye that was, I think, the hardest thing I, I had to write in, in the entire series was a way to present myself as a person in the campaign and then say the things that I wanted to. Because I can, as, as the GM, I can take on any face. I can be any person. I can be a plant if I want to. I can do anything. But the one thing I can't do is be myself. And so as a GM how do you appear as yourself as you you and not you as somebody else it's not a self-insert but as the self and to relay the feelings that you feel culminating after five years i think that's that's the hardest thing that i had to write um but the most difficult things obviously were things like okay like arjan's 
patron is showing up how the fuck do we want to do this and like hearing from a lot of people like that was the moment i was hooked on the four keeps being like oh okay shit like i did a good job and like at level three like making each of my players decisions for their subclasses and what they wanted to feel important because at the end of the day this is my campaign yeah but it's our campaign i'm not playing four different characters i am playing a million different characters with the intent of allowing these four to go beyond expectation and that's difficult and that's fucking hard and uh i'm looking forward to doing it all over again in season two fantastic thank you of course uh, let me see yeah. uh today uh, we had a similar question earlier. How's Corey's relationship with Cyprus as of yet belong? You know, I, I, I it occurred with... to me. Sorry, go on. Uh, that I think you mentioned this a little bit uh, during the epilogue, but like, what is Corey's relationship with both as a fellow Kalen and also as Lorathian? Hmm. Mm. Um, I, I think like we, I, I was thinking about it afterwards and, um, if we did mention Cypress, I, I feel like we didn't talk about him enough. Um, you know, just being the guy that we rescued in the whole like mid arc. <laughs> that, like your yeah, backstory I, bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he should have come up. Um, <laughs> I, I know for a fact that, um, Autumn Corey would have been very close to him as a Kalen. Um, in, in fact, I, I think that uh, with time, uh, they would eventually get to the point where she confides in him uh, in, in being under the influence of Char. Um, and they, like, bond and heal over that. Um, I, I, I see their relationship as a, a very, like, sibling-like relationship. Um, and, like, I, I, I see the time after... Uh, the adventures with Caius after the Dark Star Legacy. I see that as a time for them to uh, grow and um, reconnect uh, with someone that she was once very close to, um, and then you know went off and turned into an entirely different person. Um, as Lorathian, I hadn't ever considered that. I I, I think that it depends a lot on. Um, cypress's perspective uh whether he's confident in himself or if he feels guilt over his time uh under the influence of winter um i i, I think that th there is potential for some like good character stuff there um but yeah i i don't i i, I didn't like i i tried not to um establish a lot of Corallon as Lorathian, um, you know, just in case, you know, like season two problems, cough, cough. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that Corey's uh, relationship with Cypress only gets better with time. Speaking of things changing with time, uh, this is an everybody question. Are your characters slash the game where you thought it would be when it all started? And how did you think it would be Difference. Speaking of a different Cypress, but there, there are plenty of other ways uh, to take that question. I mean, 
yeah, like piggybacking off of Cyprus, there was a time where we thought that Corey and Caleb would get together. Um, and that's not what happened. <laughs> that, that sounds wrong now. <laughs> they're they're just not those people anymore. Every time Corey and Caleb had a fight, we had the in-joke of um Cyprus from the four kids just fading out of existence every single time. <laughs> I mean, the four kids in and of itself, it's just a great time capsule of where we thought the characters were going. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. uh Arjan Tarlanson, um mm. being a single father. Um I mean he still kind kind of ended up there, but yeah. I think he was still using higher level blood hunter abilities. Mm. I think you were um, using higher level blood hunter abilities before the int whiz uh slash in it. Yeah. Um I mean from the I don't know that I really had any expectations for where Arjan was going to end up. Um dead probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't think I, I expected Corey to die as much as she did, but at a certain point, it kind of became a meme. I mean, um, the Blood Hunter. I knew, I knew that he was gonna die. Um, I did. I expected him to stay dead. <laughs> if you scroll back far enough in Simon and I's chat, you will find the explicit use of me saying trust 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 three times in a row because everything that has ha almost everything that happens to Caleb, i have trusted simon with so Aww. i have n where did i expect Caleb to be i don't even know <laughs> like i'm so happy where he is now though oh absolutely it's great Gwen, I know there was a halfway through the game when Gwen became a the chieftain, there was a point where I had to have a conversation with Simon of being like, well, why wouldn't she stay? I don't under like I she she would have a responsibility. Like I did, I thought she was there was a point where I thought Gwen would stay behind as a chieftain and just then I'd play a different character, um, which was great because that was directly before <laughs> this was at Danae's wedding. <laughs> mm. Mm. right this, before the <laughs> this is happening maybe maybe two months before Danae's wedding and and at Danae's wedding was when i showed the the very basic version of the four keeps intro that had mm -hmm. gwen lb hack him up and so lb's just like i don't know if i'd stick to gwen and i was like hey i need to know now <laughs> maybe she sticks around yeah a little bit <laughs> which i'm totally happy with i think i just needed a reason for her to like not be sitting you know like with her people all the time and i think we came up with a good um space to do that for sure yeah. yeah, I think one Speak ended up. Oh no, God, I'm done. <laughs> I, I was gonna move on. So if you have a last thoughts, <laughs> no, please. Uh, speaking of the four keeps moving on, uh, and I know of at least two of these. What was your backup character? 
Oh, I have it. I can pull up a, a D&D well, Beyond. Well, it was first off, did everybody have a backup character? We yeah. saw I, we saw Albertson. I didn't have a backup character until um, cause because the first time that Corey died, it was a narrative uh decision. She didn't die mechanically for the first time, mm. um, mm. and that gave her several lives to work with as she burnt seasons. Um, mm. my backup character was going to be a Shatterkai, uh, sent to go kidnap um, Calum. Yeah. Uh, named Nixia. <laughs> yeah, the way Simon reincorporated that was uh, was a lot of fun. Um, uh, I, I guess I guess if I did have an actual backup character, I'd uh, piggyback off of the Albergeon thing and play Viper. Trying to find a cure for Suwon. <laughs> mm-hmm. My character was Vatu. The ribbon maker, a fighter, Ooh. fighter rogue Goliath. All right, all right. Um, and I was toying with the idea of a uh, blood hunter werewolf, um, lyric Silvermane, uh, who has since made uh, some appearances in uh, Tyrant Security, where his son Coda was a, a bigger character. Um, but he also did get some shout outs in um in the four keeps. God making an appearance there. This backup party is wildly different. <laughs> the vibes are unbelievable. Um that that's a nice and simple one. Um also circling back to uh, Gwen leaving would have poor timing. Was there like a great campaign moment that just had some really weird or even bad timing? Okay. I have one. I, I think I might need to say mine first. Go yours first. <laughs> I just, I want to say I also can contribute to this. When Jordan with the PhD Same. Yeah. brought brought his character in, I felt so bad, but we had just been through hell. I felt so bad. Some things were revealed before Jordan with a PhD came in, and so the vibes were very it wasn't off. Just that, but Corey was mind controlled by a beholder. Beholder that later skipped Gwen across lava. I was vibing. Fine. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I think like, was, hey, how's it going? I think Gwen was stoned for for a hot second. Uh huh. Yeah. Petrified. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I see that. That was either right before or right after Arjan got killed by Kodeth. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, oof. You I, could not pay me to be in Jordan's shoes at that moment. <laughs> You he can took tell it like a champ, though. He didn't, sure. want to, oh, absolutely. he didn't want to be paid to be in his shoes either. Just <laughs> paid? I, I, no. <laughs> you guys got I... paid? <laughs> uh, I loved his character, though. Yeah, oh, his yeah. character was great. I, uh, I, I really. If if there could be like a fucking mushroom that could have exploded and just calmed emotions everybody 
right mm-hmm. before that, I would have been, I would have been real okay with that. Uh, we, we, I, I think we, we needed an excuse for our characters to like be welcoming to this person. <laughs> yeah, but but it just it the timing was so bad. Mm-hmm. I think mine is or Simon. Do you want to do yours? Mine was, was Connor's. It? it was legitimately <laughs> like the one thing I I legitimately feel bad about. It's just like. Jordan, you're an inspiration to me. I fucking love everything that you do. Please be in my game. It's really fun. The players are fantastic. And him being like, aha, slime lord. And you guys being like, that was not the fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) He knows. He knows. Oh, yeah. No, Jordan and I are tight. Like, we're we're cool. (laughs) But, like, at the same time, it was just one of those, like, I'm so sorry. Like what? Yeah, like I'm just like I. I should apologize to this person, but at this point, it's been too long. I can't apologize to them. So fucking funny. Oh, Mine it was, was so fucking funny. The if, only if, time that Simon betrayed my trust, <laughs> and I, because as a player, I was like, I trust Simon. He's giving me signs. Okay, cool. And it's when Caleb got fucking abducted by Jimmy's oh, character. That was going to be mine in too. Time, in a time <laughs> when Gwen was super protective of Caleb, yeah. I was like, I, you were giving me signals as the GM. I'd be like, look, it's okay. Just stay behind. And I'm like, okay, I trust you. And then he got fucking kidnapped. And I was like, <laughs> fucking great, Simon. This is fantastic. Make me betray my tr- character, betray my trust. To be fair, I was supposed to be gone for two weeks. Yeah. That was why. I know. I know, but I also still, look. There are yeah. a lot of moments in this campaign that I am proud of. There are a lot of moments in this campaign, a good handful of them, that I'm like, I should have done that way differently. Uh, and it's okay. It, it, it was a thing where a character it needed to happen and i like i understand as a player and there have been so many points where i you know it's not like you broke my trust forever but like i was that was just one that stuck with me i'm like this motherfucker Mm. (laughs) oh you know i I wish we talked a little bit more simon about the similacalum stuff Uh, I couldn't talk to you about it, though. How was I supposed to talk to you about it? In hindsight, it's been long enough. You could have been like, hey, BT dubs. And I would have been so on board. But where's the fun in that? Well, the fun would have been Caleb trying to figure out how to use spell slots he didn't have. That's not what I want. I know. That was one of the few things where I was like, this is, I will take this part for me. My little secret. There is something to be said, though, about allowing your players to be a a co-conspirator. Yeah. Um, Because that, as a, as a player being asked um, to help pull one over on the other players, it's so tasty juicy at at the same time like it it really it it does depend from from person to person because like the prestige of like you are a salacrum all the time i think for me um 
when we first started this and RJ was like, I want to be a lich, in my mind, it was how can I get him to be a lich during the campaign? That's not just like a god did it because mm-hmm. gods don't make liches. Um, You're typically. And so uh, at that point, <laughs> I was also the year prior blade runner consumed my identity uh blade runner the 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 director's cut the animated short series uh do androids dream of electric sheep and also blade runner 2049 and a lot of that is about am i who i think i am Mm. and the idea of calum of this other Calum, because I th- I think that that was one thing that I was honestly a little surprised that the rest of the party never... I think it was something that they internalized, but it was something that they never talked about, was Calum not being that Calum. Because then it became a joke later on where it was just like, don't you remember meeting this guy? That was the other Calum. Oh... sorry and then like moving on past that point but like especially with calum's whole like simulacrum into another person when Corey was going through all the char things there was never a question as to whether or not that was the real Corey. it Mm. was this is the real Corey, and she's doing shitty things versus well this couldn't be Corey. And I think that that was one thing that I was very, uh, like, in hindsight, was kind of curious about. Of just, like, the way that the the Calum situation was handled and then bleeding into literally everyone else. I, I think I w- that, that in particular is just meta bleed, though. Because, yeah. like, the players were just sitting there watching Corey talk to Char. Like, it, it, like you, you saying that now makes perfect sense. But, like, from a player perspective, like, the pieces are all there. It, it's it, it's an interesting way to go, but I, I understand why that wasn't their first instinct. Yeah. Yeah. I will ask Simon, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from running your own 1 to 20 campaign? to embrace the thousand yards um my my lesson um and this is this is a lesson that is learned not from a level one through uh 20 campaign running it but on the back heels for running this campaign running this campaign was on the back heels of playing in a level one through 20 campaign And for me, it comes down to this. Ask your players at the very beginning, if you can, what is it about playing these games? What is it that's important to them? What is it specifically that they find joy in? In my level 1 through 20 campaign, we, I mean, we played the whole thing. It was great. I had a, I had a very good time playing it. Asterisk. Because that asterisk was for specific sets of levels. It was for specific story arcs that 
I remember at one point throughout the entire campaign, I was like, wow, my GM is so good. I, I love being in this campaign. Everything is very well thought out. And then my GM and I would talk about like crit roll and and uh, the long since ended dice camera action and, and the C team and other games like that. And so, you know, I, I, I started watching them. And then I remember one specific week where it was the four keeps going up against a dragon and or no it was a dice camera action they went up against an ice dragon and the dragon was described with its eyes going in separate directions almost chameleon-esque for that like uh uh true seeing up to 120 feet and i was driving to the game because i was already feeling like it was kind of like falling a little bit to the wayside just like the gm his heart wasn't in it any in it anymore and I told my partner, I was like, when we get there, because I knew that we were going into a dragon fight, I will bet you Taco Bell on the way home that when our GM describes this dragon, it will be an X way with the eyes going in in various directions. We get there. We do the scene. It is an ice dragon that exists in limbo. Okay, unique. The ice dragon has the hull of a ship. That it is using as its treasure trove. Crit roll season one. The ice dragon that they they fought in the draconian homeland. That was a thing that it had brought to this mountainous terrain as, as a trophy. We go up to fight this monster. The GM. The dragon's eyes move. Blah, blah, blah. And like I realized that he was giving us an experience. Yes. But it wasn't his it wasn't something that was geared towards us as players and it wasn't something ultimately that he could feel as as his campaign and and you know talking to him later and getting to be friends with him and and all of that like i understand where he was coming from because in that moment he was having a tough like outside perspective so in the game the the orientation suffered a little bit but the more that I became engrossed in all this other D&D media, the more that I saw the influences. And it was really hard to pull the curtain back once you had seen the man behind. And going into my own 1 through 20 campaign, that is why I asked my players specifically, what is it about this subclass that is drawing your character? What is it about this relationship? that is affecting your character. I started asking my 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 players a lot more in-depth questions because at the end of the day, I didn't want this to be a piecemeal campaign of other campaigns that they might have seen, heard, or played from before. I wanted this to be reflective of everything that they had put forth. Because like in, in my campaign, we fought our BBEG, like what we all agreed was the BBEG, at like level 18 and then we had two levels levels 19 and 20 that were essentially filler episodes that doesn't feel good as a player and as a gm i was going to do every single thing that i possibly could to make it so that way my players didn't have that same experience that i did
So what did I learn? Your players have a better understanding of their characters than you do. Listen to your players. Listen to your characters. Give them what they want. Give them what they want, and they will respond in the surprise Pikachu face of just like, Mom, Dad, I want a race car bed for Christmas on Christmas. Here is your race car bed, child. Oh my God, who could have foreseen such a circumstance? Like that is, that is what running for these players has been. Is been, tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. I'll do exactly what you want me to do. I'll put my own spin on it. But like, listen to your players and go yeah. into a story knowing how it ends. Yeah, that's a lot of big takeaways uh, from this and uh, the other nights in the courtyards for me, where it's like, yeah, I'm in a level 1 to 20 game and I'm having fun. Asterisks. Uh, and there are things that my game is doing. It's like, again, I'm having a great time, but there are things that's like, okay, we're right to do something similar. Yeah. Uh, speaking of other games, all of you have played other games and other systems while playing Four Keeps. How has the experience provided perspective on 5e? Were there any uh, tricks to to collaborative storytelling that was picked up elsewhere? Oh, boy. Um... I've started playing a lot more narratively driven games recently uh, instead of like the combat crunch and the things that I had to take away from that is I think I've also brought it to a lot of the other games that I've played is that you can both min max and be really into the narrative like be the combat character you want to be in combat be the narrative character you want to be in the narrative just don't be the perfect person, you know? Have your flaws and expand on that because that's what makes good storytelling. I think for me, I... Going back, every time I come back to this game, like, I do get burnout from playing so many games in general sometimes, but every time I come back to this game, it is just like, oh... Thank God. Um, and it's so chill just because I love these people and, and the characters and stuff. And I think that I most want in my other games what we have here as far as like the uh, ability to role play the way that we do and being so invested in moving the story along ourselves. And like we are, we are not waiting like as a GM, I was you know reflecting on some of my other campaigns and stuff. I'm like, God, I wish my players would have more agency and do more things like. I understand that I've given you a path to go on, but you don't have to follow it like linearly. You have you can do other things. So I, I want to try to encourage that from my players and in other games, be able to like have those role play moments and not have it be like, oh, it's just one scene and then, you know, we're done. Like it just, that is what I love the most about this group in this game because it is just, we, the story is given to us, but we do drive it, which I really like. Um, I'd say that the thing that I've learned, I've also been playing a lot more narrative games, um, which like when you play more narrative games, there's less like attention paid to the mechanics, um, and more just like downtime interaction between characters. Um, and I've found that like, sometimes the character just takes over and says things that surprises you. 
um, and learning to like let go of the wheel a little bit, stop trying to like have a stranglehold on my character and knowing exactly what every every turn that they're going to make. Um, I think that's what has <laughs> what I've really learned from other uh, game systems. Um, and and a, a place that that's exemplified in Four Keeps is um, Summer Cory turning into a rebel. Like that was not on the table at all. She was supposed to become the like embodiment of Lorathian. Like they were supposed to go on and be the sun god, you know. Um, and now they're wearing a leather jacket, smoking and riding a motorcycle into the sunset. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just let your characters be who they are. Oh, I'll go a little bit more specific. Um, uh, the, the stuff that's on your sheet in 5e is very specific about how it works and how it affects the fiction of the world in a particular moment um other games uh other games like uh urban shadows powered by the apocalypse um the moves in the game are broader descriptions of how the story and the narrative is going to be affected because of the use of that move um like saying uh because I use this, um, I'm going to get something and uh, I will have to, like, one of the favors that I owe somebody is going to be uh, taken or um, I'm going to lose something, but somebody else's, um, this other narrative effect um, happens down the line. Um, that is a useful tool for taking a step back and basically going uh, figuring out what your intentions are for something and uh bringing it up and uh, taking a step back bringing it up and figuring out how you can achieve those results in the moment so like uh, I don't have a specific example, but, like, if if my intention is to, like, get out of this um, without doing combat, um, I, you know, um, it's, it's really great to just, like, bring that up. Like, hey, my goal right now is to get everybody out of here um, and leave this place without killing anybody. GM how what roles can i make to to make that happen let's let's figure out how this is going to work in the moment because <laughs> this is what i really need to happen right now um that's that taking a step back is definitely one tool um from those narrative games from a gm side oh my gosh is it um so helpful to prep the events in the world with countdown clocks like just knowing like how events are going to progress if nobody inter inter intervenes in them and just like knowing that you can tick off that things are progressing at narratively appropriate times it's, it's, it's a really great tool for prepping 
for me as uh as the as the brain uh, that's functioning behind the world games i i think that if anything the inspiration for most every other game that i've played has been helpful for example um reading how the cipher system describes distances between touch close and far we do theater of the mind that's so fucking helpful why did i never think of that monty dm me like tell me what it is you're you're thinking on this one um for things where it is um like character bonds and stuff like that i think that we already did well but it was framing how the characters have the distance and and functioning like that and then the other thing that i found most helpful when designing magic items and designing abilities wasn't looking at how other abilities and magic items were designed necessarily in a dungeons and dragons setting but it was looking at things like magic the gathering flesh and blood like trading card games or video games where it's a much more restrictive cost on how things are created because i think that giving a player a resource pool and saying these are the things that you can do with your resources is good uh for example the planeswalker abilities the great and by extension the great worm abilities um that is actually all based on the idea behind the color of magic the gatherings mana pool black being that your health bar is an additional resource if i had never learned how to play black in magic the gathering never to use my own health as a resource other games where you're using health as a resource to give the option to a player and say you can heal your whole party you can use that like godling burst ability that Corey has where she uses all of her hit dice technically Corey could have then said i am going to deal 10 d10 damage to myself to utilize this ability and if i had only been looking at games that are about necessarily benefiting the player and saying you can do this bad things will happen narratively but not mechanically i don't think i would have i don't think that i would have had the inspiration for those mechanics outside of that because as as much as i do love that narrative aspect knowing that we were in a five-year campaign knowing that we were levels one through 20 it was more of those i'm going to give them this crazy mechanical benefit and then the role play will sort of massage itself out in the background like they still got three years to talk about is it really right to use this magic item like that sort of thing um so yeah, that's that's my input on it. Okay, uh, moving on to something a little bit. Uh, I love the RT stuff, but uh, lined it up a little bit. Uh, what's one moment where the dice gods love you and or have be uh, ways worded, or where the dice gods have demonstrated their displeasure? Every single time, Calum rolls a dexterity skill check. 
or initiative or, or initiative. Yeah, it's yeah, always I... a one or okay. low enough. But the guys, the the dice gods giveth in the clutch guiding volts that nat twenty. Mm. Um, hit hit dice. Um, uh, <laughs> history checks. Um, I hit dice are what led me to have the least amount of hit points out of everyone in the party being the paladin being the paladin and also there's a wizard in the party and i had the least amount of hit points out of everyone ah oh, never rolling for hit dice again <laughs> i never have bad rolls but the best rolls that i have were when i was fighting talos and i got you know i got I kept coming back after I hit that one. Oh, it's great. It's so good. You can't kill me. <laughs> uh, any crit I ever smited was a blessing. I'll take that much. The worst one was really right at the end, misfiring on the chaos goo. <laughs> Ooh. Let me tell you something about projectiles in space. Physical projectiles have something called inertia, and there's no gravity in space to slow down said inertia. That chaos bolt is going to mess up a farmer's day one day, just randomly. No, I remember that there was like a solid month, month and a half where cyber, you couldn't roll above like a 10. Oh yeah. <laughs> when did the blood chalice become a thing? Oh, like level episode two. eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was it was real early. Years. It didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, I I felt in retrospect I did feel bad about it, but underneath Sir Cellier using the um, Nevermore spell on that one creature while it having vulnerabilities and then stealing the nat twenty from the blood chalice. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you being like, I steal it, and Cyber was like, yeah? And you're like, I... Would it be... It'd be really cool if I could use it right here. And he's like, okay. <laughs> there was a... There was there was a trust that happened at that point of just like, mm -hmm. okay, I realize what I did. Yeah. Um... What was everybody's favorite story arcs? Uh, I'm trying to like, match the like uh, the arc titles, obviously narrative beats, but yeah, like was the like a specific uh, chunk of the campaign where you're like, oh yeah, a lot of fun stuff was happening there. Abyss, I'm proud of Abyss. Um, this is great. Just insurmountable odds but just some character knowledge some world building and coming up with a fucking fantastic plan that just went off so fucking great i i'm very proud of abyss <laughs> i'm very proud of that of the of the whole um let's let's not go to his lair let's bring him to avernus y'all we... stuffed orcus in a locker <laughs> welcome to high school welcome to high school it, it, just calling on so many allies that we knew um 
uh, pulling on some threads, using a little bit of player knowledge um, with regards to like Tasha. Um, but, oh, it's just every, everything about that. Also, Arjan and Rasa, that's where their relationship started. Uh, abyss. Abyss is my answer. Uh, I think for me, the area where we had the perfect, in my opinion, the perfect blend of everything was the Fremorian city. Mm. Where we started the revolution. <laughs> mm. mm -hmm. It had the intrigue, it had the combat, it had the role play, mm. all jam-packed in that little, like, glass bottle episode. I... I'm scared of us from there. Yeah, we got to see like how dark we could get. I, I gotta say my personal favorite um, was the one where we went to a music festival in the Underdark just because we got to see Corey and Olivia in action together. Mm -hmm. Um and just like like a lot of um interactions but like whenever we see Corey and Olivier together it it's always like you know either talking about relationship stuff or they're on a date um that arc was an opportunity to see them like actually doing like adventure shit together and that was a lot of fun uh also like Olivier having to deal with seeing her mom again but, like, I, I just have the mental image of, like, they're in the middle of a party, um, and, like, Corey knows that Olivier's mom is here, um, and she, like, pushes Olivier against a wall and, like, blocks her with her body. And I'm like, ugh! Gah! It's that, it's that shipping uh, shit that I needed. I don't know. Like, I, I, I like seeing relationship stuff when uh blorbos are in situations <laughs> dating is fun but you know what's even more fun carol <laughs> advent for me making gwen face her past that she ran away from and like you know having you know having that experience and then you know have, being able to save her family and you know maybe as a kid she didn't see the situation for what it truly was and she just you know reconnecting with her family finding out she has a brother all that stuff so my my personal favorite um and this will answer two of the questions that we have um is winter i really liked winter um where if the campaign wasn't slated to go on for as long as it did that would have been a good natural stopping spot um for what we had going and also because i liked i liked the boss i liked i liked the design like the 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 double question was what stat block am i am am i most proud of uh uh vinru the winter's bane like the the primordial of winter out of all of the fights that you all had throughout the four keeps, even in Dark Star Legacy, I felt like the fight against Vinru was the most taxing. That was the one where it was. That was where like everything clicked into place for me as to like, oh, this is how you build a fight. 
this is like i figured it out in that moment that was the big brain like expanding moment for me was that was that combat so that's mine um that's my arc and that also is the arc where um cory had to double down with char that's also where the fomorian fortress arc happened that's where you got to meet Scorchbane and the Kings of Summer. Like ev all of the Feywild was in that winter arc. Um, and it's really hard for me to not think about this campaign and not think of winter fondly. Yeah, that was the arc that like really hooked me when I started making sure to watch every single session. Uh, yeah, winter was great. Um, yeah, got that question out of the way. Uh, speaking of Greenreach, um, which is one of my answers for this, uh, what was your favorite, everyone's favorite setting, town, or shop? Honestly, we harp on it, but I really do adore things that make you say wow. Things that make yes, you say wow is, is hands absolutely. down. Every single time we enter, there is a new horror to behold yes. in the entrance of Arillo Thread Twister. Yes. Absolutely. I I was always waiting on bated breath for every time somebody walked into a thing to make you say, wow. What was one of them where he just came out of the frog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like the third things that make you say, wow. Yep. Yep. And then apparently one of the things, like, you just hear screaming in the background as one of the Arillas is getting dragged away as his exit. <laughs> yeah. And then a new Arillo shows up. Yeah, 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 another one walks in. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh God! The Oliero was also a highlight. Mm hmm. I just liked going into things that make you say "Wow" and then going into the depths and going into the Rick and Morty style. There are like a billion different Arillas. Ah, sigil. Sigil. my favorite was one that y'all never went to and i tried i tried getting you all to go there so hard but it's as a gm i was like oh maybe it was the floating town of promise that existed between alira and the place where you would then go underneath to go to the uh the cadrum empire right oh, that's so cool it was a city that was built of floating ships that had all been moored next to each other and there was a bar a called the bark's bite uh and the bark's bite was owned by a shifter with a mean streak a mile wide and like i had like this whole whole place figured out and sorted that's where the the song when you guys ended up going to paradise came from it was originally going to be in promise uh or or prospect and then you guys just were like ah fuck that place we're going way past it teleport magic baby <laughs> and i was like oh we decided to help out at a civil war okay make it a season two problem bruh yeah i want to go that sounds cool prospect's a great town <laughs> A season two prospect. Oh. Ooh. Speaking of uh, things yeah, that didn't play I like out. First, I like first thing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But, I mean, uh, first some, day was it, great. It's homey. Uh, speaking of things that didn't play out, uh, what was a. I mean, we touched a lot on this. Uh, what's, uh, 
what's a potential like uh, character arc or story moment that just didn't wind up happening? I wanted to talk to Silmi more as Calum. We had uh, what's it? Little mementos for each other because I think I gave Silmi a glass orb with uh, her and Kefris in it, and she gave me Matroshka dolls that I still have. Mine is the fucking catnap coming back. I I had that in my bag for so long, and then it got stolen. And I was like, this is one of those things that, as a player, I was like. This is gonna come. I'm gonna at the opportune moment. This is gonna. I'm gonna poison somebody and make him fall asleep. And it's gonna be like you know a year and a half later. Nobody remembers that I have this, and that everything got stolen, and I never got to use it. I'm still mad about that, Simon. It's been four years. Season two problem. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like I established. Um, Corey having a problem with her winter season really early on. Um, and I would have liked for her to eventually like come to terms with that and be a, like, you know, winter isn't okay. It's okay to be sad, you know, like for her to have like a toxic positivity arc. Um, but like, you know, we just went a different direction. It's just, it's not something, it's not a road we went down, but it was like something that I had planted seeds for uh, ahead of time. And it would have been neat to see play out. I thought Arjan was going to find the smiling man earlier and uh, I we were we were ramping up a lot of the meta stuff especially like right after D and D was just like, oh yeah, there's there's absolutely a dragon thing that lets them see the multiverse. Um, so I thought, um, uh, since we had already been seeding like the smiling one, um, that he would show up uh, before the end as this like this thing that we were chasing, but really couldn't understand um and the fact that there were other um cadron gods that the other players uh could possibly lean into um and have arjan interact with in that lead up would have been it would have been difficult it probably would have taken a little too much effort it may have been a little it, it definitely distracting from the story that we were going on um yeah. uh we're uh pretty much at time uh we'll do two more do questions great i'm going to pick a heavy one because i uh, have to take quick bio break uh so it's not uncommon for actors inhabiting roles for extended periods of time to experience character bleed you have experience with that and if so what influence did it have on you what steps did it take to mitigate it or prevent it in the future 
it's not so much character bleed as mannerisms, but I did explain earlier in the stream that Danae did catch me writing words down with my finger on a table. And I believe the first time we went to Gen Con, we were staying over at LB's and Lauren, our dear friend, Ren Reckless was staying over as well. And I think we've had like a couple of beers and Lauren just like decided to change in the living room. And I just immediately spun around and looked the other way. And, and then they were just like, you just went Calum there. <laughs> there was a lot of moments where I just like say that you're acting like Calum. When I, I, I think it's really more like the other way around. Like we, we, we put a lot of ourselves into our characters. What about I don't. For you, Danae? Oh, God, um, somebody else go first. I need to think. I need to think about it more. Well, I, w I was going to say that I don't remember having Arjun bleeding be a problem here. Um, there have definitely been games that I've been in where uh, I have experienced character bleed, and it's been really like. really tough um but i don't think that there's been a moment where the bleed um i don't know what was that bad i'm i'm yeah. coming at this from from a very negative uh, perspective of of like <laughs> negative emotions yeah. for your character bleeding into your normal yeah. thoughts well for and me one's thing like one's character bleed for me is i turn my brain off on monday nights like i if i'm not in a scene i don't listen to it that closely um, and I find that there was a point probably about halfway through or, or just past halfway through where I was like, I don't remember anything that happened, which is bad. <laughs> like I had to use Noctua's notes to like, okay, who's, and I still have that problem where you guys will bring up like NPCs and I'm like, I don't even remember that person. And it's not because I didn't like the story or I didn't listen to it. It was like, I wasn't paying attention enough because Gwen brain turned on and i didn't need to pay attention that much like so that's that's a big one for me i i, I do recall a couple of moments where i was very emotionally invested probably to a fault um i, I remember when Kalem was kidnapped i was very concerned about him and um we had to have an aside and be like okay like Halem has to be okay. In, in this one instance, in this one situation, he has to definitely be okay. Um, and uh, I, I do also remember um, the revelation of Cor, uh, Corey uh, being um, manipulated by Shar uh, was re particularly hard on me. Um, <laughs> I mean, be because the characters reacted in a very realistic way. And um, it wasn't the way that I had envisioned that reveal going. Um, and I internalized a lot of the negativity that was uh, directed towards Corey in that moment. Um, and I had to take a step back and like analyze that. And it, th this came up before where I said like, I, I, 
needed to like realize what I wanted from that situation. Um, and I, I didn't know until the reveal um, that it wasn't what I wanted. Um, and that, it, that in particular was hard for me. Um, and, and being able to take a step back from that and um, realizing like, haha, oops, oopsie whoopsie, we did a trauma. Um, <laughs> we, we really, um, it, it was a learning experience. Um, and I, I know now that uh, that wouldn't happen again. Did we get that as merch? That <laughs> whole whoopsie, thing? We did a trauma. Oopsie whoopsie, we did a trauma. Put it into the queue. The flower. Um, as a as the GM. Um. I, I am going to do the opposite of all of these players um, and say, regrettably, I did not have player or GM bleed because I was thinking about things very much as you would looking down at a battle map. So when there were situations like Makoth, like Shar, like these other things, after the session ended, I went, good, that's done. And then there was a hard cutoff, and I stopped thinking about it. And it was because of the situations like those that then my players were having a bad time. And I was like, what? Oh, shit, right. Yeah, that thing that happened. You're right. That was bad. And, like, I think that um, ultimately a little bit of bleed isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think that it can be healthy. Uh, that being said, your dungeon master, uh, to your dungeon masters, your players are not your therapist. And to your players, your dungeon master is not your therapist. Um, there are a lot of things that happen throughout an extended campaign that are rough and that are difficult. And I think that if you are friends... And I think that if you have a good dialogue with each other, that you can broach in a understanding way. But with that being said, you also need to have, if you see somebody that's having a bad time, you should try and have the emotional maturity to be like, hey, somebody I care about is having a bad time. What's up? And then if they say, oh, it's because of the game, you can at least like double back and figure out what that's about versus being like, they seem like they're having a bad time. That fucking sucks. Anyways, what was I doing over here? Like being emotionally in tune uh, is, is part of that emotional bleed, I would say. Um, so it's not I, necessarily like having one way or the other. Feeling safe enough to open up about something like that is, is very important. Um, and I like, fostering uh a environment a community where you feel safe or, or a player feel safe to like go to at least the gm and talk about something like that yeah. is also very important yes let me just look over all these again Let's see yeah i think uh let's end and on a high note, and end with the beginning. What, if any, is your most favorable and me favorite memorable moment from 
A New Dawn, the first arc of the game. Y'all can remember game. A New Dawn? <laughs> Zeno, of course I do. I'm sorry. No, my favorite moment was when Caleb jumped, or when Caleb was running away and Gwen jumped out of a window to go and like grapple him and be like, you're not going fucking anywhere. Uh... My favorite moment was when Calum saw Corey face step for the first time uh, and did a step of the Raven Queen over to her and said, I can do that too. I was going to say the same thing because it leads into Calum's capstone ability as a speaker of the lost, where he can replicate a spell with a reaction. Um, I have, I, I really want to get it animated where it's Caleb face, um, shadow stepping up to Corey and saying, Hey, I can do that too. But then it's smash cuts to the arcane eye twisting as he's copying a spell. Alternatively, Laurel can do what she sees as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, well. Danae took my pick, so please someone else go. <laughs> yep, sorry. I I legitimately don't remember where A New Dawn ends. So. A New Dawn ends as we leave Sert Cellier after the... Shroudport. Shr oh, sorry. Shroudport, where we headed up to well, Marisville. Since, since I poached no. yours. No? no, that goes through a whole, like, three arcs. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Like, we don't leave uh, Shroudport until we hit level three. Mm -hmm. Because we all hit our subclasses dawn, there. Uh, you meet Peter later. That's <laughs> now. That's not a new dawn. No? I think that's arc two, because we're heading yeah, to... Yeah, that's arc three. Uh, did, we, did we fight the Marin? Or, I... or um... The Scarelock? The Meanlock? The me no, 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 those that, that's, no. That's the end of it. Like, Let a, me a new dawn is like check three the notes. episodes. <laughs> a new, okay, Noctua said three episodes that were five years ago, Stenfizeno. mind you. <laughs> okay, meeting Stenfizeno. Did we fight? Did we fight the um, the fish people? No, that was up in Marisville, right? No, no, we did. We did fight the fish people before we left Shroudport. Right, because we did that, it for the Fisher and his son. That was in Discovery. Dang it. What about that just was be... early game stuff? Okay. Early game okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Before pre-leaving Shroudport. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I will say this. Um, I, because I poached uh, RJ's... No, I got it. I got, no, no, I got it. I got it. Uh, it was the goodbye fight between Calum and Farron. Uh, yeah. Where it was the first to three, and Calum got at least one or two hits in and then friend was like haha action surge <laughs> catapult ball bearings is still like my favorite out-of-pocket move after that fight i'm like god that was brilliant you were inspired <laughs> the fucking uh, fake out with micus oh god Wow. Damn. For those of you at home, what happened in that? What was that? The, the fake out with Micus? Yeah. Micus was the archangel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a really good one. <laughs> if oh. I do, another angel might die. <laughs> oh, my God. 
god. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was gonna say the first time that Corey changed seasons, uh, mm -hmm. we were on a rowboat on our way to where we would eventually fight um, the the sea creatures, the Sahugan. Uh, guys. Yeah, and then, which which you know eventually led to Caleb getting speared through and everything. Um, but uh, that was the first time Corey changed seasons. She changed to uh to spring form on her way over there. How about Caleb and Gwen not being able to swim? So Arjan, Caleb, Gwen got strapped to Arjan's back when we went in the water. <laughs> oh, you got Yoda'd, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think if I had to choose my favorite moment, it was uh, you all getting a guy... Uh, one, uh, it's broken up into two. Uh, one, when you all realize that the big bad of your first story arc's name was the Big Cheese. Uh, I loved that. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, that feels good. I I'm can really just be shitty about this whole thing. Um, and then the second was you having a guy that you were interrogating uh, and they asked, what is your group's name uh, before we went to break? Because it was your group being like, Ugh. and then we went to break. And then when you came back, we had like 15 minutes downtime in between. It was like, we are the, the four keeps. And there was a lot of like, look around like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're going with. Okay. Like. <laughs> <laughs> to then the last session of the campaign saying, and we play for keeps with mm -hmm. uh, Corey dealing that final blow was just very, again, there are a lot of things about this campaign that are cyclical that wrap around to early things that we did. Um, and that was one of those things where like, I saw it connect after it happened. It was like, Oh my God, it's beautiful. I could stare at this all day. <laughs> and I do. My wallpaper has not, my wallpaper on my computer has not changed in three years. What is it? It is the watercolor for keeps picture. Oh, mine's the sleepover party. Slumber party's good. Slumber party. Mine is the uh, lantern festival. I don't, I don't look at my own art. Don't look at me. <laughs> You saw uh, Jace. I have what, the, the Raven Queen one. Uh, I have prints of the winter one in my office, uh, along with Arjun and Tarlayan. Mm, that's a good one. It's killing me, you guys. I have magnets. I have magnets. Of <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> a hint of Fae. Yeah, a hint of Fae. We all have mugs that read hint of Fae. Yeah, yeah I sure don't, do. but I, I, actually I have do other not. mugs. All right, but uh, Levi, do you yeah, have that's what I say. Yeah, any I... last questions, maybe unprompted from or favorite moments? Ask, yeah, what's your favorite moment as well? From the early Spoil days? us, buddy. God, I I think I went over a lot of what I liked. Uh, the The winter arc was a lot of fun, uh, and like knowing that that's been building up for a long time. Mm. Um, 
God, now I'm on the spot. Uh, <laughs> How does that feel? There's a lot. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I think that, like that middle of it, there, there's like a handful of uh, story arcs that when I think about the game, I think of uh, Arjun fighting Kodef about uh, Gwen like reconnecting with Screen Reach, all mm. of Winter arc, this uh Caleb killing father Linar like mm. there's so much of it that I was like oh, yeah this this is the good shit. That's mm. true. Uh and with that, uh do you have any other questions for myself or each other? Thank you for you know Thank being you. our moderator for this yeah, lovely chat. So nice to meet you. I, yeah nice to meet nice oh. to actually talk to you people like what with my mouth parts. You people <laughs> instead of just typing with my fingies. Yeah. Hey, it was like it was like one big nights in the courtyard, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of loved it. <laughs> yeah, I great. greatly enjoy this, Levi. Thank you so much for coming out and doing all of this for us. I know that you're not a, a standard part of this game, from at least again, as we said, the moving of the mouth parts. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to find out uh, more about you, Levi. Where can we find you? What do you do? You can find me technically on Twitter at Levi Phipps97. Also, uh, like the jeans at bluesky.social. Uh, you can find my some some design stuff at levi-phipps.itch.io. Uh, you got, got some interstitial playbooks. You got some Monster Hearts playbooks. Uh, I'm playing one of them. He's a really good game designer. Oh, thank you. I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you messaged me. It's like, oh, people are using these. Great. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's been a slow year for me. Uh, I'll hopefully have something up sometime before June, hopefully. Uh, you can also find me uh, we're on hiatus until January, but you can find me at Lantern Light Adventures Sunday nights at 8.30 Mountain Time uh, in Era of the Dragons. Uh I had to hop in because another player had to bounce, but yeah, it, it's been pretty good time so far. Uh, I hope to do more stuff in the new year. Thankyear.com. <laughs> and RJ, where can we find you? What do you do? Hey, everybody, I'm RJ. You can catch me at RJ's 282 on Twitter, Twitch, Blue Sky, TikTok, a bunch of places. Just RJ's 282. Uh, catch me once again this week on Thursdays over at the Hype Goblins channel where things are getting wild. Where we, I, got, I got my Simic hybrid form up. I've got forearms, baby. Uh, and, and a hunger. A hunger deep down that will not be quelled. Uh, Saturday. <laughs> I'm not a squid. I'm a dragon. Um, where was I? Saturday mornings over at G or Saturday afternoons over at GGK where we're doing Blades in the Dark. Um, we're saving Wings' character's father figure from a life of death. Sunday mornings over at the Hive Goblins once again where we do Pathfinder. I broke up with my wife and she gave me a bow. Um, it's great. Oh, also, Tuesday, 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 tomorrow, myself and the Hype Goblin will be over on Roll for D5, or Roll D5, where we're doing a charity game for some animals. We're going to be animals. I'm going to be playing the Raven Ape that I made. Ah. Jake, 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 
His name is Hun. It's gonna be fine. He's the, he's Johnny Bravo inspired. So hip hop who? Danaekeener.com. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I forgot. It's I, been five I go. Years. I go third. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> hey, cyber for gore. Okay. <laughs> I go third. Do you want to go? Go. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that there was someone else here. <laughs> I got up at four a.m. today. I'm oh tired. I'm LB Hackup. You can find me at LB Hackup on the Twitter, Twitches, Blue Skies, and all those fun places like TikTok too. I'm going to be posting more there. Um, you can see me next on Friday. Ren and I will be doing our holiday stream on uh, LB Hackabup, which will soon be changing to Hack Recklessly, which is going to be exciting in the new year. Uh, we have so many things coming up. Uh, there will be a Monster of the Week audio cast coming out this month uh, that I just need to add uh, sound effects to. Uh, that was uh, with Northwolf, Cujo Plays Games, and Latinas Against Spooky Shit. It was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be doing a, uh, the walking dead one shot on Northwolf's channel next month with me and Ren. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of different content next year. We're going to be doing glitter hearts in February run by G Greg Leatherman who wrote the game. So that's fucking awesome. Um, we're going to be doing a fallout one shot in, uh, March. And then in April, I'm going to be doing a fallout, uh, charity stream, which I'm super excited about as long as, as well as doing, other Monster of the Week one-shot audio cast, which I love, and maybe some other audio projects that Simon and I are working on that I'm excited about. So stay tuned for that. Uh, DanaeKeener.com. Boy. I ain't got shit going on right now. Several trouble went on Twitch. But, you know, breaking for a while. And Cyber on Blue Sky. I don't post shit. Uh... I do have stuff on cyberwolf1201.com uh, for free, so yeah, check that out if you want, like, Zelda Cypher stuff or whatever. Um, I'm I'm just chilling. DanaeKeener.com Hey, speaking of DanaeKeener.com, hi everybody, I'm Danae Keener. You can find me at DanaeKeener.com. I do nerdy drawings, mostly related to D&D &D and a lot of things on this channel. I haven't posted in a while, and I probably won't for another little while, because I'm going to be very busy getting ready for the Gold Rush game that we're going to be having in January. But at that point, you're going to see a whole lot more of me, so get ready. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be One Piece, but Western. I've been trying to avoid saying that, but that's basically what it is. Uh, DanaeKeener.com! And if you've made it this far, you probably already know who I am. It's me, your buddy, your pal, your friend, the indoor adventurer, the showrunner here at twitch.tv slash indoor adventures. We do shows like this on Monday. At least we will sometime in January. And Sunday, probably also in the new year and maybe throughout the week if I find the time for it. Uh, but hey, guess what? I had a great time being here. I had an absolutely fun time having these folks on the channel. You can find more of that over at youtube.com slash indoor adventures, as well as anywhere audio casts are being made available for free. But for now, for the last time before we go to the new year, first and foremost, Levi, thank you so much for hosting this panel. This was an absolute delight. I'm so glad that we were finally able to meet in such a fantastic fashion. 
Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this has been this has been a blast. I look forward to more in the future. Thank you to these. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you to these players for putting up with my bull our bullshit once again this week. And thank you to everybody who decided to stop on by because we couldn't do shows like this without contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. And we'll see all of you guys next time. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.